morning, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan After Midnight. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you until 6 a.m. on this early, early Sunday morning. Or it's late Saturday night if you're still maybe out and about in the city that never sleeps. Or maybe you're in a rideshare home. I say this all the time. Or maybe you're working on a weekend like usual. Hey, me and Pat are too. He's behind the glass tonight. He's ready. He's willing. And he's able to take your phone calls. You know that number, 877-337-6666. Let's load him up with your best content only. We've already got one person on hold. Look at that. I'm coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio in lower Manhattan. We're going to be together a lot tonight, you and me, till 6 a.m. That is Eastern time. Got a special guest for you guys tonight. The first clues, or the, the clues that I gave you guys in order to guess this week, as I always do on my social media channels, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Clue number one was the word first. Clue number two is actually a math problem. I uh, said solve for X. X minus 2 plus 2 equals 10 plus 2. The answer is 12. Don't hurt yourself. Don't drive off the road. The answer is 12, okay? And number three was a baseball emoji. So number 12, Ron Blumber, the first DH in MLB history, going to join us at 4.20 a.m. if you want to set an alarm to offer a retrospective on the position and an opinion about whether or not it should stay around for 2021 and beyond. As you know, the winter meetings are coming up uh, on the 7th. Was that next weekend? Maybe the weekend after? Not looking at a calendar. Thanksgiving football. I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. I certainly did. It was very small. Me, my mom, my dad, and my brother, and the extended family on Zoom. Had some nice lasagna. Thank you for all of you guys who asked about it. Yes, it was good. I did bring some, actually. Mom's lasagna for me and my trusty producer, Pat, to uh, to try on a commercial break later in the show. So got that in the other room there with two forks. And we had two, not three, th- games this Thanksgiving. Game one was the Houston Texans at the Detroit Lions in their classic throwback uniforms. It was an exciting first half, many lead changes. There was definitely three. I think it was four, actually. And then after we ate that lasagna at halftime, there was a very boring second half. The turning point of the game was absolutely the J.J. Watt pick six. Pick six returned 19 yards to the house. If that was the turning point, the dagger was the Texans' halfback pitch, the toss back to Deshaun Watson, and then he found Will Fuller all alone on the bottom of your screen for a massive trick play, inventive touchdown pass. Jets fans. What's that like? Final score was Houston, 41, Detroit, 25. But honestly, it really wasn't even that close. There was a touchdown reception and a two-point conversion reception by Mohamed Sanu, Rutgers U, who actually just started with the Lions this past week, that actually ended up making the game look a lot closer than it actually was. Then in Game 2, a game to which Giant fans were playing, paying close attention the Washington football team at the Dallas Cowboys with huge implications on the NFC East. A game to which I was also paying close attention to. I had gotten a $10 free bet to use, which is like big for me. I always like doing the first touchdown score. So I looked up and down the list. I'm like, you know what? It's going to be CD lamb at plus 900. So to win 90. Nope. And that was that. I probably should have picked Terry McLaurin, who leads the NFL now with 963 receptions, uh, receiving yards. The odds probably weren't that good, though. That's probably why I passed on him. I got to say, I wish it was not pre-recorded, but I loved the Kane Brown halftime performance. And imagine this. 
You're down 20 to 16. It's early in the fourth quarter, and you're looking at a fourth and 10 from your own 24-yard line. A perfect time to dial up a fake punt? Don't imagine it. You watch the Dallas Cowboys do it, faking out exactly zero people. Then you watched Washington on the very next play, thereafter, put up a touchdown. That, my friends, was the dagger in the game. The Cowboys would obviously never recover from being down 27-16 at that point. Dallas head coach Mike McCarthy after the game said, quote, obviously it was a solid play call. It's a good play design. I clearly understood the situation when it was called, end quote there. Did he clearly understand the entire situation? Like the big picture NFC East situation? Because that ridiculous gamble may have just cost the Cowboys their shot at winning this still in week 12. November 29, 2020, wide open NFC East. With five games left, though, Dallas has the second easiest remaining schedule in the entire league. Their opponents, I almost want to say batting, their opponents are batting 380. That's their win percentage, 380. With that win, Washington moved to 4-7 and seven and into first place into the, in the division. But how long, though? So what are the Giants thankful for? The New York Giants are thankful for playing meaningful football in week 12 and the last weekend of November. Before you shake your head and roll your eyes at your radio, the Giants are absolutely playing for something this weekend. They have a 27% chance to win the division. That's according to 538, which is basically as good, or if not equal to, I don't know if they were equal to, but to the Eagles and the Redskins. They're very close. If the Giants beat the Bengals, and they're favored to, that jumps to 34%. And if you factor in a probable Eagles loss to Seattle later today, the Giants' chances or percentage to win the division jumps to 39%, which is head and shoulders above the other teams for best odds to win the entire division. Yeah, you heard that right. Joe Judge on Wednesday said, we're coming out of Thanksgiving after this weekend. Everyone is really on equal ground, which is true. The only thing that matters is what we do from this point forward. So why don't we, us, look at this point forward on my show here, starting with the remaining strength of schedule for the NFC East, hardest to easiest. The seventh hardest schedule in the league, Eagles. The ninth hardest schedule in the league, the Washington football team. And right in the middle of the pack is the Giants. Their opponents, they have a 516, just about 500 winning percentage. So the Giants are positioned pretty well. Not to mention the fact that they're three and seven. I know it doesn't totally count, but they could very easily be seven and three. You know, six of the Giants' seven losses have been by 10 points or less. And their last three losses have been by a total of six points. A win later today against a team rolling out a quarterback that they just promoted from their practice squad five days ago puts the Giants' record at four and seven, tied with the Washington football team atop the NFC East. And the Giants, of course, would have the tiebreaker in that scenario. This, all provided that the Eagles lose to the Seahawks, a game in which they are five-and-a-half-point underdogs. And what are the Jets thankful for? You know it kills me to say this, but the New York Jets are actually thankful for Adam Gase. Listen, the Jets have the second-hardest strength of schedule 
in the league with six games remaining. Their opponents are 617 winning percentage. The Jets have been mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, even with the field potentially being expanded to 14 teams and maybe even 16. Who knows now? They are the first and only team so far to be eliminated from the playoffs. How did it happen? Well, the Jets lost to the Chargers last week, coupled with the Packers lost to the Colts, and done. Deal. There you go. Matt Patricia's tenure as Lions head coach is over. He had a 13-29-1 record in his tenure there, which is a 314 win percentage. Adam Guru's tenure with the Jets head coach is not over. He has a 7-19 record. That's good for a 269 winning percentage. Jets fans should be thankful for Adam Gase as he and his daily and weekly inability to develop an effective game plan, incapacity to delegate relevant coaching tasks, deflection of fault and blaming of players in press conferences, and just overall incompetence at making in-game adjustments. Because that has cast no doubt, thus far anyway, who will be choosing Trevor Lawrence at number one overall in the 2021 NFL Draft. And I am, after careful consideration, seriously, jumping off the sinking Sam Darnold ship. And I'm now becoming the conductor of the Trevor Lawrence train. I do feel bad for Sam Darnold and that his head coach has absolutely paralyzed what was a promising career in New York. But once he gets out of Gase's grips, he'll be in contention for comeback player of the year, just like Ryan Tannehill did and was. I wish the kid well. I really like him, and I will continue to root for him. I actually almost chose Sam Darnold as the thing the Jets fans should be thankful for. He's more of his personality because he's a competitor who... Despite all of this adversity brought upon him, he stands up there and responds carefully and thoughtfully to the barrage of questions coming his way each and every day. He actually still even has that weekly spot on that other sports station here in New York. But I say that because other players on both stations have have canceled that spot in years past. You know what? That shows a lot of character of Sam Darnold. And on behalf of number one four, because this... This really could have been a disaster if he wanted it to be. Kid's a stand-up guy. The Mets are thankful for, you know what I'm going to say here, but Mets fans are not just thankful just for Steve Cohen, but they should be thankful for Steve Cohen's persistence. December 4th, 2019 was the happiest day of a Mets fan's life when the news broke that Steve Cohen was set to push the Wilpons to the side and take over ownership of the team. Then on Thursday, February 6th, 2020, that sale fell through. The team issued a statement that said, despite the efforts of the parties over the past several months, it became apparent that the transaction as uh, contemplated would have been too difficult to execute. Steve Cohen said at the time, quote, I'm very disappointed that we couldn't work out a deal, but as an 8% owner or holder, I'm looking forward to a higher bid up for the team. I gave it my best shot, end quote. Cohen said just recently on the Mets hot stove program on SNY, Something to the effect of, if you have a dream, don't let anyone talk you out of it. Lucky for Mets fans everywhere, this bump in the road did not deter him from pursuing his dream of purchasing his favorite baseball team. Where there's a will, there's a way. And patience is a virtue. Because due to COVID, 
Cohen actually bought the team at a cheaper price than when he originally set out to purchase it. Without his resolve, who knows what could have happened with the franchise. Would the Wilpons have held on to it? Would Mets fans be looking at Alex Rodriguez, former Yankee, and Jennifer Lopez, Yankee fan, originally from the Bronx, and company as the team's owners? I, I'm going to go ahead and make a guess that Mets fans are happy with and thankful for who they ultimately got. And the Yankees fans, what are they thankful for? The fact that this was, this was kind of tough, actually, this year. But the fact that Garrett Cole pitched in this COVID-shortened season as the AC was advertised to be, of course, in nine years, $324 million. If he did not pan out to be that true number one, which sometimes happens here in big market New York with that historically big contract, I really do think that Brian Cashman would have been out of a job at season's end. Starting pitching has always been a weakness for the Yankees for many years. Hopefully, he'll come out guns a-blazing to address it this offseason. We'll see. But back to Cole. He finished with a 284 ERA, 73 innings pitched. Of those 12 starts, two were complete games, which is unheard of nowadays, right? And one was a shutout. I really don't think you could have asked for more from the guy. And I personally am thankful for head Vanderbilt head coach Derek Mason. I know you saw it today. And if you didn't see it live, you saw it on social media. And the pregame SEC Nation show, Tim Tebow pleaded, Coach, please put her in. He did. The six foot two inch senior Sarah Fuller, who has won two SEC championships with the women's soccer team there, kicked off the second half, becoming the first female to suit up and play in a Power Five conference game. The kick before you blast it. Don't even bother picking up the phone. I watched the whole post-game presser. It was a designed squib kick. But you know who I'm not thankful for? The damn Vanderbilt built offense who couldn't get far enough into Mizzou territory to set her up for a field goal. If the situation remains the same for next week's game, which it could, just so you guys know, both Phil Fuller and Mason have authorized a part two sequel to this week. So we'll have to wait and see. One small kick for women, one giant victory for womankind. And some late-breaking NFL news, you guys. Detroit Lions, obviously, as we just talked about, they fired Matt Patricia and GM Bob Quinn. Lamar Jackson and 19 other Ravens are on the COVID reserve list. Due to county rules, the 49ers are not able to play inside Levi Stadium or practice in the entire county for the next three weeks. And they had two home games scheduled for within that span. James Conner, cancer survivor, tested positive for COVID-19 and is awaiting a second test result to confirm or deny that result. And all four Denver Broncos quarterbacks are ineligible to play later today due to contracting COVID. Is this in week 12, the unraveling of what has been relatively calm, relatively uninterrupted NFL season. What are the lasting ramifications of this recent news? I mean, I, I've got a, a helmet and a football. I could, I could maybe fly out to Denver today. Let's do it. Lots to get to tonight. Let's hit the calls. Everything's on the table. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. After midnight on the fan here in New York City. Weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. That's right. Pat and I, we're working on the weekend like usual here on the fan in New York City. 
till 6 a.m. That's our that's that's the first song we always play coming back from commercial break at 2:24 in the morning. And I guess I would be remiss without mentioning or whatever that saying is, the Mike Tyson Roy Jones Jr. fight. Uh I First of all, I always try to close my eyes a little bit before this shift, which sometimes, all the time, cuts into my ability to watch a UFC fight or a boxing match or something like that. And I also certainly was not paying $50 to watch that. Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., and Jake Paul and Nate Robinson. Obviously, I didn't watch it. I saw, like, a million other of you guys, literally, the clip of Nate Robinson just hitting the mat is he alive did anybody see him get up i I, like i said i I didn't rent the pay-per-view but is nate robinson alive did anybody check up on him youtuber jake paul come on man lou you've been waiting a long time lou lou in port chester new york you're on the fan hey how are you danielle i'm good Um, how are you good good so i originally called you know to talk about i wanted to touch on nate robinson tyson but I, I want to draw a parallel to something you spoke about, and, th- and that's the prudency of, of, an, of a non-boxer <clears throat> uh, uh, getting in the ring with, with a guy that is not, quote-unquote, a full professional, but he does have a pretty high boxing IQ, this guy Jake Paul. Say what you will about him, but he has trained long enough, and he has a boxing acumen and definitely has a boxing skill set. And, and I wanted to compare. And, and wait, Lou, and one thing yeah. too. He, the guy is so reckless. He's got nothing to lose ever. This guy. That's the other thing. That's a dangerous combination. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, he, this fight, he definitely didn't fight reckless. He he stayed within himself, mm-hmm. and he he definitely. I, I've been around the, the boxing game and, and no boxing. Um. And uh, it, it just like you said. Did we check on you know? Nate's condition. He, he first of all, he suffered the most catastrophic type of knockout where he was knocked out. Still standing. He, he was still standing, so yeah. he was not able to break his fall. Yeah, it, it is. It's the most dangerous type of knockout. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, I wanted to parlay into the, the prudency of, of 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 a non-fighter getting in the ring. Uh, it shouldn't be sanctioned. It makes a mockery of the sport. Yeah. But what would happen if this if this woman has to cover somebody after she kicks the field, uh, uh, a, a, a kickoff. What, what, what's the, do you really think that that is, it sounded like you said one small step for a woman, if I, if I you know, mm-hmm. par- sure. paraphrase you. Do you really think that that's a good idea? What would, what's going to happen if she gets hit? Now, you've seen, you've, you've seen kickers, men, and most of them do not fare very well. There's a couple throughout the years, but it's a, Minute, as you know, it's a minute number of, of men that uh, uh, kickers that are able to kind of hold their own uh, in, in that role. So then, what, 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 would, what would be the difference then between a six-two Division One collegiate soccer soccer player and a six-two, as you just mentioned, kicker that doesn't? Oh, are you are you serious? You saying she's a woman, right? It's a woman, no? <laughs> What's that? Does that she's that a, matters? A, a, she's a female. To, and. To get hit. You don't. So you would you would argue the the, the physiology and the in the biology. Uh, but you uh, but you uh, made the point yourself though. You said that a, a, a NFL male kicker can't do it. Get the job yeah, done. But, but Danielle, Danielle, a male kicker is if physically to face another male. Are you really gonna? 
have an argument, even try to formulate an did you, argument. Did you look? That, did you that, look at the, her physique? We're not talking about some five I've two like her. me. Oh, oh, you didn't see? You've never seen her. It doesn't okay, matter. Okay, Lou, that's that's yeah. the point that I'm trying to make here. She's six two and a Division one collegiate Daniela, soccer player. Let me, let me make Lou, you understand. Lou, come on, man. Let me make it. Let me. Let me. First of all, my my cousin is Mark Mark Colombo, who just got let go. I'm coming from a family. My uncle was Rocky Marciano. I know a little bit about football and boxing. I can speak on both subjects. And anybody would debate you. Anybody. First of all, six two means nothing. It's the physiology and the composition of a female as opposed to a male. She will be folded. The first time she gets hit, she will be folded up. Uh, it's the same thing where women in boxing, and you can speak to any trainer, where a professional woman boxer, world champion professional boxer, a woman, faces a 13, 14, 15-year-old male who is an average fighter, and they get, they get knocked around no, all day. Lou, but, I, Lou, so I, I've, I'm personally yeah. friends with Misha Tate. I could tell you that that is obviously not the case. Okay, Lou, enough of that. Mark Colombo, maybe you should be worried about getting that guy back a job because uh, he mouthed off against his head coach, and, and, you know, that's how that ended. I'm telling you that if, that if she didn't belong on a field for uh, fear of getting run over, let's just say, you made the point yourself that there are NFL kickers that can't get the job done that shy away from the hit. How would that be any different? So she shies away from the hit if it comes if if it comes down to that. You never seen her, Lou. You never even looked at the girl, the woman, I should say. She's 6'2". Did you see the way she was built? Oh my, she's a Division 1 collegiate soccer player. She's str- she was taller than half the some of the guys on the sideline. She's not 5'2 like I am. 5'3 if I have shoes on or cleats on. It's not the same. I, I'm not compa- I could get truck-sticked by an NFL player. I obviously can get truck-sticked by an NFL player. Okay? But if the coaching staff did not believe that she you know, could have gotten serious, severely hurt, they would not have put her out there in, in the case or the event that she was. I mean, that's just irresponsible. That's an irresponsible claim. I don't care who your uncle is, who your cousin is. Collegiate soccer players. She's a Division I athlete, and she played in two sports in the same season. It's not like they picked her off the street somewhere. Kevin and Camden, you're on the fan. Hey, Coach. I completely agree with you about... Um... What's her name? Um, that, well, you were just talking about her. I forget her name. Sarah Fuller. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. She wouldn't be in the game if, if you know, they were worried about it. Because she did a good job. I just wish that she would have attempted a field goal. That would have been awesome to see. But hopefully, sooner or later, she gets the opportunity. Yeah. But anyway, I'm talking about, I want to talk about the uh, Jets mm-hmm. or the Giants. Because I, I personally, I agree with you about Darnold. You know, unfortunately, I think he's done. But I would I would like to see this week how he does with the three receivers that you know with Mims. Yeah, and, um, right. Mims, I want to see how Crowder, that goes. Perryman. That's the first time he's going to get to play. I want to see him, how sure. that's going to go. I don't think they're going to win, but I think that's going to be interesting to see. What would you and like the outcome to be, though? At this point, a loss. 
Uh, right, a loss. So I, no, I, I make it competitive. Audition for yeah. your next job. Yeah, I'd be happy with that too. With a with a loss. And the one thing I'm looking forward to is uh, seeing McKinney, Xavier McKinney for the Giants. Yep. Because he's been out all year. I want to see what he could do. Yep, he's making I his debut. A, I heard he's a Swiss Army knife, and I'm just I'm eager to see what he could do. And Giants, please, my birthday's on Thursday. Give me a birthday win. <laughs> I'm oh. really hoping for that. Um, well, me too, Kevin. I'm just I'm just thankful because I am thankful for you letting me on your show for about a year. It's the one year anniversary, so I'm appreciative of that. I'm thankful for that. So I thank you for you and Pat for letting me on, just letting me have the chance to call in every week, and I appreciate it. And I just I enjoy it very much, and I hope to continue to do it as long as you guys will allow me to. So I'm very thankful for that, and I love you guys, and I appreciate it. And uh, you know, hopefully, we'll have many more conversations. Pat's giving you a fist pump from behind the glass. Kevin, yeah, thank you I very appreciate much. That. <laughs> All right, Kevin, we'll talk to you next week. Yep, I'll be there. Tim's always uh, Tim and Kevin. Tim, I see you on the board there too. They are uh, they are as, as loyal as they come. Both of you guys. Let's let's go to Tim because he's next, actually, in the order. Tim, East Haven, Connecticut. You're on the fan. Happy Thanksgiving, Danielle. Happy Thanksgiving, Tim. Oh my God, I'm just glad I didn't have to follow Lou. <laughs> I, you know. I understand the point. I do understand the point. But if she wasn't capable of of doing it, they would not have put her in the position to do it. That's my point. Correct. Correct. And I would like to give a props to Sarah Fuller and give a good shout out to our buddy Kevin from Camden. Happy future birthday. (laughs) All right. I'm going to get with our Giants. Um, Something you said last week's show that really stuck with me because it's kind of true. Um, you were wondering if it would be the right time for the Giants to have a bye because things were starting to roll. Yeah, yeah. And the history of our Giants coming off a of bye week is terrible. Even when we were winning Super Bowls with Coach Coughlin, they were just awful coming off a of bye. Hmm. So my question to you, do you feel like the game against the Bengals is that unwanted trap game. Yeah, I knew you were going to go there. Trap game. Uh, You know what? Um, I I think it has the makings of being a trap game. I do, Tim. I just think that with everything so in flux with this Bengals team, not just the quarterback, but we'll talk about in a little bit, that they have like severe cultural problems coming out of that locker room that the wind was taken out of their sails when Joe Burrow went down, and I don't think there's any... Breeze that could put the wind back in those sails. I, I hear that, and I'm hoping the Joe Judge factor will 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 change our tide here with that. Yeah. And after all, we are the Giants, so we'd never do blow anybody out. It's just like impossible. <laughs> I, they're always hard attack games. I know. <laughs> I mean, can we beat a team that we're supposed to? Like we were supposed to beat the 49ers, and how did we work out with that one? Yeah. So. Well, well, the Giants—they're five and a half point favorites this this game. So. Oh my God. Oh. All right, first place, here we come. First place, we'll see. We'll see what happens, Tim. Danielle, one other question, quick question about, uh, so um, Kim, uh, the GM for the Marlins, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Uh, I believe it's Ng, Kim Ng. Ng, okay, Kim Ng. So now if you were the general manager Uh of your beloved Mets. (laughs) Or the Yankees. I'm actually more of a Yankee fan. All right, well, all right. What's your first move? For the Mets, you're saying? For the Mets. Um, my first move for the Mets, 
Uh, I would go out and get a catcher because they don't they don't have a catcher really on the roster. Um, I would worry about Trevor Bauer. No, actually, I, I, right, I would go catcher. I would go relief pitcher, Trevor Bauer, George Springer. See, I know I wasn't going to ask you about the Jets because I know what your first move would be. <laughs> you ask the coach. Bye, Adam Guru. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Walk home from whatever that last game is. Walk home. Yeah, I, I would have fired him. Have at- a great night. <laughs> Bye, Tim. Thank you. Bye. I would have fired Adam Gase. I was on here saying it. Okay, after the Dolphins game last year, I wanted him to find his own way back from Miami. Okay, all right. They, they kept him. All right, it was early in the season. I could maybe see it. Then it was this week, I believe, last year, when I guess it was Mike Francesa came on and, and with the report, the new report, that said that Adam Gase skipped Thanksgiving dinner to write a game plan down for the Cincinnati Bengals, who were winless at the time. And the Jets lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, who were winless, who he spent the entire Thanksgiving dinner game planning for at the facility, not home with his family, and the Jets lost to the Bengals. That's when I really would have fired him. And now this guy's like a cockroach. He can't, he, he, he never goes away. But Jets fans, let's take a step back, everybody. He, Adam Gase is, is the thing that Jets fans should be thankful for. Because he is securing the tank for Trevor. And I told you guys. I was like, well, let's see Darnold. Let's see him with the receivers, you know. I really looked at it a couple weeks ago, and I was like, you know what? The the Jets are going to have to pay him. That's the thing. What's he worth? I'm not sure. Warrior calls after the break, 877-337-6666. Oh, we got tons of stuff to talk to. I'm a little fired up tonight, so if you want to get aboard, let's talk. Hey, you want to talk Sarah Fuller? You want to talk Mike Tyson? What the the Yankees or the, the Mets should do? Maybe I'll drop my Giants and Jets predictions. And the Pro Bowl voting is open. If you could pick a Pro Bowl player from either the Jets or the Giants, who would it be and why? I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. I mean, I just want to tell like all the girls out there that you can do anything you set your mind to. Like, you really can. And if you have that mentality all the way through, like you can do big things. Sarah, you paved a new path today, and it was amazing to witness. Congratulations. Thank you. Throughout this week, we are sending our congratulations to Sarah Fuller here on McCartan After Midnight on the Fan. It is 2.44 and 7 seconds here in New York City. Sarah Fuller made history today for Vanderbilt. You guys know I'm not into huge, you know, college football. I'll watch it if it's on. I'll watch Rutgers because I know you guys like to talk about Rutgers sometimes here. But you know what I watched every single play of Saturday afternoon? That Vanderbilt-Missouri game. Every play. First female to play in a Power 5 football game. Smiling the entire time while doing it. I know the kick to open the first half wasn't great, but Derek Mason confirmed in the postgame that it was a planned squib kick. A kick that he said was most suitable to her kicking style. I mean, Monday she was packing to go home from college because Vanderbilt closed the college for COVID concerns for the holidays. Closed, like many of them, till January. 
There weren't many options on campus. Then he called up the soccer team, him and the uh, Derek Mason and the soccer coach are very good friends. And that's how it all came to fruition. They both said that they would be back next week if the situation was the same. And a, a shout out to number five, Mike Wright. He, the true freshman quarterback, he was the first person to run out there and give her a high five. So shout out to Mike Wright for that. We had a the guy already on this show as we're watching the or right here, Oregon, Oregon. I say Oregon, Oregon Ducks highlights, women's basketball. Of course, Sabrina Inescu is uh, patiently awaiting her debut here in Brooklyn, not in the in the Wubble. All right, let's get back to your calls. Oh my God, we are full. Ben in Queens, you are on the fan, Ben. Morning, there, Coach. What's up? Uh- well, firstly, let's get the Sarah Fuller thing out of the way. For folks who don't know that gals can kick, uh, check out the USA game versus the Netherlands. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so happy you brought that up because I also watched every minute of that game as well. Okay, first, the Mewis sisters. Yeah. That's the future of American football right there. Yeah. I, I, uh, sorry, sorry. American soccer. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, folks out there. Okay, that that's the first thing. Secondly, that 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 kick on the side there by oh my god, that was beautiful. But tying this into Sarah Fuller, as a goaltender, she's possibly playing the most physical position on the soccer pitch. So to the first caller, dude. I'm a wrestling fan. I've gotten used to, over the last 14 years, uh, seeing uh, intergender matches where I'm like, oh, you know, every instinct in me says the gal is going to get mollywopped by the guy, but then you see him go and you see him take the hits, and whether they win or lose, you just see him go full tilt at one another. She can handle it. If she couldn't handle it, she wouldn't sign up. That's exactly right. And they wouldn't put her on the field and jeopardize her health for some move like that. Obviously. And I will say this. Through my Twitter, I've had a lot of female wrestlers who I follow, once I posted it, go, good for her. Let her go. Yeah. Give her a chance. Yep. That's all you need to know. That was the whole point of this. Uh, Breaking news. I don't know if you saw this for Denver. But uh, Jerry Judy decided to to go on Twitter yeah. and say, hey, give me a shot at being quarterback. I know. He wants to get his Lamar Jackson on, I think was the tweet. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is worst case scenario. All right. This, this is what the NFL wanted to avoid. Not just what happened to Denver. Not just the fact that it's now up to 18 players in Baltimore. Okay, no mm. problem. They, they're going to have to run the 1920s type offense there because uh, they're going to be running half a team out there. That, that's not good. Meanwhile, 15 players go down for a college team. The game's canceled or postponed or moved to a later date, you know. Yeah. But, but Tuesday, the NFL. Um, but on top of all of that, folks, pay attention. What's happening in San Francisco? You know, the, 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 the county goes with the ordinance, and that ordinance prevents them from playing in their own park. Mm-hmm. And now you got, they got 10 days before this, this game with the Rams. I believe it's the Rams that, that uh, is what the next. Oh, no, the Bills. They got to find a place to play. 
I'm wondering if they're just going to go, what is it, 30 miles south down to the Oakland Stadium? Is that still in, in use? Is that usable? Yeah, but again, Oakland, uh, 30 miles down, that's the same kind of restrictions, except except they can have games down there, but who's been upkeeping the stadium? Yeah, I know. That's, have to that's rush the question. do that. Yeah. You know, the field hasn't been being taken care of. For, Which, yeah, it's to, a grass field. You're right. Yep. So that, know. oh. Unless oh, this, they just, this. well, I mean, okay, I understand about being a player and having your own everything, your own, your own bathroom, like, you know, in your house, but... I'm wondering, will they just switch them to be away games at this point and make it up to them down the line? I don't know. Yeah, but it went down the line. That's that's the whole thing. That's a, essentially they've become the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, or, I excuse know. me, the Buffalo Blue Jays. Yeah, I know. And the, know? and the Toronto Raptors. I mean, what is it? The the Orlando Raptors. Is that where they're yeah. going to be playing? Mm-hmm. And finally, I'll end with this. You know, I I don't need to worry about Jets and Giants. Giants know what they need to do. Jets know what they need to do. Um, <laughs> To Nate Robinson, I hope he's okay. Yeah. Because uh, we could joke all we want. He got hit like that twice. Yeah. And you don't need to be a professional boxer to know one good hit on somebody can cause a concussion. Two good hits like that. Brain bleeds and brain damage. There it goes. Paralysis. That's the thing. And I I heard him with... uh, I think it was Pablo Torre talk about this a couple of weeks ago. And he was like, I just want to go in there and show him what I can do. And in the time, I'm like, I'm rooting for Nate because I don't like Jake Paul for reasons unrelated yeah. to oh, this. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I'm like, you're going into a boxing game with a guy who's already fought. Nate, don't. I, I, I was rooting, but at the same time, I had a sense of dread. And unfortunately, the sense of dread happened tonight and nate just be well daniel pat thanks for the time y'all and enjoy your evening thanks ben and and we're talking about and i just i wrote something down real quick we're talking about people having no business being on the same playing field as other people sarah fuller had more business being on that football team than nate robinson did about being in that boxing ring i'm just stating facts here guys it's just a fact and Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., that is ends in a tie. That is the epitome of here's here's uh good for you guys. You're nice and old. Uh you're you're dancing around like like grandpa's in the ring. And you know what? You both win. Here's two belts. I just saw it on TV. Here, here are the two green belts for you guys to wear, green and gold belts. You both get trophies. Let's move on. What was the point of that tonight? What was the point of that? Alan Queens, you're on the fan. How are you doing, Daniel? Happy Thanksgiving. You too, Al. I am a Yankee fan, but I would be a Mets fan if Dom Smith would say I deserve more MVP votes than Mike Trout. Uh. He got finished with 16. Trout finished with 172. But he hit 35 points higher and did better in the uh, games which he played, uh, winning percentage. Okay, I... I Al, I, I think uh, I don't know if you can compare Dom Smith to Mike Trout. I think this is a debate of most valuable player in the league, not most valuable player on the Mets. I don't. I, I don't think it was Mike Trout this year. This year, MVP. You know what I'm saying? But um, it's just that's that's not a fair comparison. I don't think they're 
Let's go to Beverly Hills. JJ, that's where we want to be. What's up, JJ? Hi, hi. Um, a question that's been bothering me a long time. So I have, uh, I really am not a Brady Belichick fan. They're on my top five hate list in sports. <laughs> okay. And all the years when I've been seeing Brady in that system win, I said to myself, you know, anybody could really win in that system. It's just the genius of Belichick. And, you know, I personally think Breeze is a better quarterback. If you would have put him in that system, he would have done at least the same thing. And I'm always like, you know, it's Belichick, it's Belichick. Now I see Brady leave, and he has half of a season down, at least very, very nice, above average. Mm. And I see that Belichick is just drowning completely, and they have no success in any way over there. And I was wondering, is it really Brady's? Or where do we go with this whole dynasty of the six rings? Is it Brady or is it Belichick? Yeah, JJ, I can't figure it out. I know. this is. I'm going to let you go so you can hear the answer here. But, uh, you know, I think this is a topic that is debated and debated, and we're going to debate this for a long time. Is it Brady or was it Brady? Was it Belichick? You made good points. You made you know valid little introduction here. When you look at what Bill Belichick is uh, is working with, it's not much this season anyway. I mean. It's 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 barren. What he's working with talent wise is barren. Yeah, he's got a quarterback in Cam Newton. That's kind of really, um, you know. It, and and also too, Cam Newton is not the same style of quarterback that Tom Brady is. Let's just, you know, it's facts. Cam Newton is more mobile than Tom Brady, so it's not like Bill Belichick is being stubborn and, and instituting the same sort of. Um, system that he had for Tom Brady, he, he should not be, and I don't think he is instituting that same sort of system for Cam Newton. So, Tom, so Bill Belichick had to adapt and change based on his personnel. And if maybe we could have been comparing this, if they would have brought in a quarterback that is similar in skill set to Tom Brady, or st- not skill set, but similar in, in playing style to Tom Brady, we could be more, having a more in depth conversation about this. But right now. I'm not ready to issue adjudication either way. Uh, is it Belichick or or is it Brady? I just don't think it's fair. Um, and I saw some reports that Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, there's a little friction there as well. Um, I don't know what that's all about. You know, Tom Brady likes to win. Tom Brady is not winning as much as he would like to in Tampa Bay. And as much as, I, you know, I told you guys a long time ago that I made some bets and it went through a couple times by accident, actually. I thought it didn't go through, so I put the bet in again. And so I have actually three bets, separate ones, on the Tampa Bay Bucks to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, because I didn't think it went through. And then I pressed the button, obviously button mashed it two more times, and they all went through. And then, you know, the next morning I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, they all went through. Well, I'm not going to take it out now because if they do win the Super Bowl, this is this is before Gronk even signed with them. If they do win the Super Bowl, I'm going to kick myself. So I think if if the Tampa Bay Bucks win the Super Bowl, I think I win like something like $880 on like like ten $3 bets, uh, $3, $10 bets or something like that. So uh, go Bucks, I guess. Um, yeah, but I, I don't think we're, we're ready or, or at the point where we can definitively say which – which was the stronger factor in establishing the dynasty. We're just not there. We're just 
not there yet. And let's see. We got a few minutes. Uh, we'll take it to the top. Oh, should we do another call, Pat? Yeah, we should do it. Okay, let's go to um, Matt in Maryland. Matt, you're on the fan. Yeah, I tell you, the lessons that we learned. Ashi, pardon my man. It's good morning. How are you? All right. Here, you got to know your levels in life, and that's the lesson that Nate, I don't understand. I don't understand the history of that boxer because I haven't been keeping up with boxing, but it sounds like that guy was an experienced boxer. Nah, he's like a YouTube star with nothing to lose, a reckless guy. He's not a real good person, actually, either, with what he's got going on on his online persona. So I was actually rooting for Nate Robinson at this in, in this particular fight. Yeah, and, and you know, I guess you got to – boxing is one of them sports that – I've seen people – that have have jumped in it and or UFC boxing, UFC, these fighting sports, you really gotta prepare yourself with a team of people before you get into it. Yeah. And play defense. You gotta keep your hands up. Yeah. And Nate Robinson didn't do that as far as far as I saw. And and, and you know, and then the thing with Tyson, like where do we go from here? I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of curious to see how many people spent forty nine ninety nine on that. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Let me yeah. let me throw up a poll on Twitter. I, I will ask that question. Do you follow me on Twitter? Uh, no, no, I no, I don't. But I'm only on Facebook. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. All right, I'll, I'll post the results on Facebook then for you. You know, because that is that's if it's a if it's a good number, you know, everybody that fought Mike Tyson is going to start coming out the woodwork. Yeah, we're gonna find. You know, it's great. Go ahead, go ahead. Is Miss Green still with us? I haven't heard from him in years. He going to come out. <laughs> I need my revenge from Dapper Dan. That's my <laughs> I know. I, I want know. you back. I know. Everybody's coming after him now. Jerry, I mean, I mean, from everybody from the 80s and 90s. So it's like, I'm glad Mike got his money. And you know what? I get from what from what I even watched the fight from what everybody's been saying. They all basically hugged each other, but Tyson pretty much dominated the fight. No, please, they, they, it was a tie. What? It was a they both got what? belts. It what? was a tie. What's the purpose of, of calling one of them a loser? They ha- they obviously <laughs> had these belts <laughs> set up before the fight, and they were going to give them to both of them. Oh, I know. You know? I know, Matt. I know. I know. We got the senior, the senior division of boxing. But I'm like, <laughs> the geriatric you know, division. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. But you know what? I'm glad. Listen, Mike got some crazy tax IRS bills. Remember? Danielle Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Fan. WFAN. Welcome back, everybody, to McCartan After Midnight. Ooh, my chair just went down. I hit the, hit the button and I flew down. <laughs> it is 3.04 here in the morning in New York City. Uh, we're talking um, a lot of a lot of stuff, like who belongs in the playing field that they, that they were a part of today. Um, I just threw up a poll here. Uh, also, did you pay $50 to see the Titan Tyson Jones Jr. fight? It's up for another 24 minutes. I like to get results while on the show. Uh, a resounding 93% of you guys said no. Some of you guys streamed it illegally online. I won't. I won't say who. And then uh, YouTube had it a little bit later, fifteen minutes later. And then we saw all the important parts that we needed to see. I saw anyway for free on Twitter. So ninety-three percent of you guys said no. So if you want to cast a vote in that, um, 
It's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And the point I was trying to make is that Nate Robinson had no business being in that ring. And Sarah Fuller had more business being on the football field today than Nate Robinson had being in that ring. And Tony Richardson, we know him as a Jet, um, former Chief as well, Chief's Ring of Honor, actually. Tony Richardson, he, he, he texted me and he said, I'm listening, Coach. Great point about the kicker. I, I, I have permission to read this on, on the air. He said, great point about the kicker. The only kicker that I ever played with that would not have gotten run over was Steve Weatherford. Thank you for shutting that first caller up. <laughs> so the only kicker that he ever played with that would not have gotten run over was Steve Weatherford. All the rest of them would have in the same way that she would have. It's the same thing. Okay? Okay. No, that's it. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy again tonight, please. Don't. You're going to lose. Eric in Ronkonkoma, you're on the fan. Eric, hey, early this week, Eric. Is everything all right? Yeah, how you doing, Daniel? I'm that's good. A, how are you? Good, good. I'm going to rattle off a few things here real quick. Uh, happy birthday to the late Chadwick Bozeman. Would have been 44 today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's... Uh, I just want to throw that out there. I saw that uh, post yesterday, so... Yeah. Um, you know, another, you know, downside to the year, but, uh, you know, onto some other stuff. Uh, as a uh, big boxing fan, so I got burned when I got the Tyson Spinks fight years ago, so I did not uh, buy the fight okay. on there. Plus, I mean, you know, and, and there was a lot of news about the whole thing being there was not going to be an actual winner, and they were getting bolts, getting belts and whatever, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to watch it. I mean, I, I actually popped in the uh, the movie Grudge Match with uh, Stallone and uh, <laughs> and uh, De Niro. Basically the same thing. Yeah. You know? So, that's, yeah. Uh, yep. you know, so that, that, that's what I did last night. I watched that. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, you know what, Eric? You know what, <clears throat> by the way, you know what I had on last night? Uh, the Ken Burns baseball film. Ken Burns, it was about, like, I was watching like Babe Ruth and everything. I, I was, oh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah, interested yeah. in it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, you know, definitely some good alternatives there. But that, uh, um, <clears throat> surprised to hear, well, surprised and not surprised to hear about uh, uh, Matt Patricia and the GM on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just, just kind of makes you wonder a little bit, though, a couple things. You know, I mean, at this point in the season, is it worth getting rid of them? I don't know. Um, but then, you know, because you always kind of think about, you know, the fact that the Jets are going to hold on to Gase until the end of the season. Which, yeah. You know, still like what five weeks away, pretty much. So yeah, you know what? That's um, a good point, Eric. Because yeah, is it worth letting <clears throat> letting Matt Patricia go at this point in time? I think yes. If because if you're the the Detroit Lions, you're not getting the first overall pick, right? That's what the Jets are trying to secure. So by letting him go, they're just getting a jump on their coaching search. The Jets don't have a vacancy yet; they're still looking to try and get that first round pick. And Adam Gase is their best route in doing it. So yeah, I understand right. what you're saying there. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, yeah, it's just one of those weird things, I guess. But, um, I mean, I don't I don't even know who who the candidates are out there anyway because I can't see the, you know, once that whole thing goes down, I can't see the Jets going after Matt Patricia because no, that, that's kind of no. redundant anyway. Yeah, please right. no. So, <laughs> My uncle so, texted uh, me that today. I said, please no. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, exactly. So, um, but, yeah, so, and, you know, and then the whole thing with, uh, I mean, look, the the stuff with the 49ers is unfortunate uh, on there, but I mean it's not you know completely uh, 
you know, it, it's kind of hard to discount, though, considering what's going on around the, the country and the world. It's not really surprising yeah. on there, but it's unfortunate. But the thing that, that really bothers me is, is what's going on with the Ravens, because for, from what I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like uh, I think it was a strength and conditioning coach or something to that effect, uh, you know, didn't follow protocol, and that, that was the reason for the outbreak. Well, we have an uh, outbreak of 20 people. There's probably more than one person not following protocol. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that's the only one that they they reported on. I mean, it's probably more that you know maybe they're keeping under wraps right. or they just haven't gotten to it yet. But right. I mean, you know, th- that stuff stuff like that. When when you you know look, I mean, when, when you had the incident with the Titans, it was still early in the season mm-hmm. on there, and, and then there's any excuse to not follow protocol or whatever. But at least it was like what week week three or four or something like that. Uh, but this far into the season, you should not be careless about how you're going about things. I mean, if, if they were to, you know, consider you know, making them forfeit the game, I mean, I'd be all for that because it's just, you know, I mean, you, you it, it's irresponsible on so many levels on there. And, you know, and now, you, now you're talking about, uh, you know, other people's health and other things going on. It's just, you know, the, it's a shame the way the whole thing is going down. So, but, uh uh, I mean, there's a real chance they're not even going to play Tuesday, right? I yeah, mean, from what I'm, yep. yeah, yeah. No one knows. <laughs> it's it's a fluid right. situation, as they say, Eric. So we don't know, right? Yeah, right. So anyway, well, we'll have to wait and see on that. I mean, it's, like I said, with the 49ers, that's just you know, it's unfortunate, uh, you know, circumstances. I mean, but I'm sure they can, you know, they should be able to find some kind of venue to play in on yeah. that. They just have to adjust on there. But anyway, I wanted to throw those things out there. You have a, you have a great uh, rest of the weekend, Danielle. Thanks, Eric. You too. Enjoy the games. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and Pat was in my ear before. Maybe they, Stanford could be an option. There's a lot of college football out there as well. So um, they might, they might be uh, playing there. Um, I had a point that he said, oh, God. Oh, I wanted to make a good point, too. After I didn't want to cut him off, though. Ah, it'll come back to me. It'll come back to me. I'm doing this a lot lately. lately. I don't know what this is about. Um, oh, man. What was like, the last thing he was said before where the 49ers are going to play? What was the last thing he said? I don't remember. I just <laughs> I oh. find myself forgetting things, and I I'm like, yep, this is, uh, this is it. This is the beginning of the end. It was about the protocol. It was the, more than one person probably did not follow protocol with the Ravens. That's that was that. 49ers, it was totally out of their control. Are they going to play on Tuesday? Nobody knows. Oh, I know. Yes. Okay. I I know what it was. Forfeit. The word forfeit. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. In that the team they did not follow the stringent protocols put forth by the the league, the teams, right? Testing, tracing, Spacing, masking, all of it. To me, that showed blatant disregard to the protocols put in place, right? But correct me if I'm wrong, but I think if they if they cancel the game, they forfeit the game, they don't play the game, I don't think any of the players get played for that game. And that's not fair for the opponent, the opponent, the opposing team, that the one team couldn't follow the rules. Joel in Manhattan, you're on the fan, Joel. Hi there, Danielle. I have a couple of points to make if I have the time. Sure, you got it. Now, or thank you. Listen, regarding the uh, uh, as far as the boxing, mm-hmm. Tyson versus uh, Roy Jones, mm-hmm. it was hundred percent Tyson, and they had it two minutes per round, right, to avoid knockouts. Mm-hmm. You, oh, you rented uh, it. Right? You watched it deliberately, and 
Yes, I watched uh, the whole thing live, okay. but uh, with, with the sound off. I don't watch TV with the sound on. Okay. Uh, I listen to radio 90%, 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. Even uh, sports, I listen, you know, where, uh, uh, where, uh, whenever available, wherever available, football, jazz, giants, you know. Sure. I listen to the radio. Uh, uh, TV is Got for it. viewing as far as I'm concerned. I use closed captioning 100%, by the way. Okay. And if there's anything really worthwhile, then I uh, go ahead and turn off the sound regarding the boxing right uh, it, it was uh, uh, clearly eight rounds right all eight rounds Tyson uh, and Tyson I think you if it had been saying it's three fixed? minutes pardon you're saying it's fixed uh, absolutely it was going to end in a draw Either even way. at the very beginning no matter what said, all right gotcha. there's not going to be a winner they had already uh, made the arrangement whereby there'd be no winner, there'd be no judges due to COVID, and so on, you know. And then you had uh, some experts, you know, who would uh, do analysis, you know, post uh, but, but Joel, uh, match. But, Joel, you, you, still, bought, you still bought the fight there, Joel. All right, what's your next point? Okay, the next point is regarding... Uh, uh, the f football I watch, mm -hmm. uh, it was my happy, uh, I mean soccer rather. Oh, soccer, okay. It was my happiest day, you know, including the two, three World Cup matches. Mm -hmm. But the one penultimate one that they won, the U.S. women's, mm -hmm. you know, in France. Yes. That was uh, previous to that, not the France one. France won, you know, uh, uh, previous to the uh, France uh championship they won the world cup it was my happiest day <laughs> one of my happiest days in my life but one thing i'm against is that on uh, uh on uh international level right when right. they're playing away from the u.s Correct. kneeling i i don't like that idea you know before crowds overseas within the u.s as a protest okay let them do it but, for example, I felt bad. You know, everyone, even Alex Morgan, sitting on the bench, she was reserved. She was sitting down uh, while the national anthem was being played. And it was embarrassing when you had all the Dutch players, they were all standing up straight, you know, right? Uh, while the U.S. national anthem was being played. And regarding uh, COVID, you know, etc., one of the reasons why uh, it could be uh, uh, the major reason in terms of the tilt, you know, one way or the other, was uh, President Trump walking around in public. Hey, not Joel, wearing that's where I'm going to drop you. This is a sports show, Joel. That's it. He said he was listening to a lot of politics radio. He's yeah, this way, is way not too it. much. Yeah, this is not it, Pat. Sorry, he needs to Joel. go back. Tell him to go back to Bloomberg Radio, whatever he was listening to. Yeah, whatever it was. That's it. That's where I cut this. Okay, and you know it started to turn a little bit in that in the U.S. Women's National Team thing. Listen, and then and then once the word president really should never be mentioned on sports radio air. That's what I, that's my feeling anyway on my show anyway. Joel, you, I think you might be a new listener. There is no politics on my show at all. And as far as the national anthem, you agree with it. You don't agree with it. It's their um, that's their right to do it. You know, it's it's their right to do it, and I know it is what it is. That that's it, okay. And you can't single out one person because I think only two of them stood, if I'm not mistaken, in this most recent game, and they're entitled to that. You're entitled to stand. You're entitled to sit. And if you think that 
you know, doing it at home versus doing it abroad is is different. Um, games are streamed all around the world. <laughs> I hate to tell you that. But I do appreciate the fact that, um, and, and I really don't want to take any more phone calls about kneeling. So, Pat, if anybody calls about kneeling, we're done with it tonight, okay? Um, but I, I do appreciate the fact that you do watch the U.S. women's national team. And I do appreciate the fact that you know that they play abroad. And do you know the reason why they play abroad? Well, because, one, there's no soccer going on now. Uh, so that they're trying to, the U.S. women's team anyway, is trying to get into into Olympic shape for the Olympics this summer by playing in competitions. And they have to go to Europe to do it. They have to go to abroad to do it. So it's Tobin Heath and Kristen Presser in Manchester United in England. And they're making a ton more money uh, over there to play versus them playing in the in the leagues here. So uh, that's, that's a whole other thing. Um, Alex Morgan's over there. A bunch of them are over there. Anyway, let's go back to the phones. John in Staten Island. John, you're on the fan. Hi, good morning. What's up? Always great to listen to you. Oh, thank you. But uh, diehard Jet fans, uh, I know everybody's talking about Adam Gase, but, you know, to me, you know, even though he's a terrible coach, he, he changed our organization because Mike McCagden was terrible. Most of our problem is because of his drafts. I mean, you know, you, you, all you got to do is look at his history. His draft picks are... Pretty brutal. Part and, of it. Uh, you know, he never right. drafted an offensive lineman. Yep, that's correct. I can't remember the last time we drafted any offensive lineman. It was DeBrick uh, Ferguson so I, and then Nick Mangold. Yeah, you're right. So, I, I mean, you know, sooner or later, you know, even some of his, his draft picks, I mean, the quarterback was terrible. Uh, you know, they took a reach on the kid from Penn State. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, long time stuff in mm-hmm. You know, you look at the Steelers, they're so good because they get guys, you know, uh, Antonio Brown was like a six round draft pick. I, I mean, the Jets can't. If you know, listen, I could draft the first round draft. Yeah, pick. I know top five every year. I know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, not like you're, it's not like you're shocking anybody. Just, you know, I go back to Kyle Brady, and uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's just brutal. It's so tough being a Jets fan. But uh, yeah, I know. But so I but but day. John, you got to admit, Adam Gase is also a major part of that. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. but again, he did he did get. Mike McCagden fired, so that's the only thing <laughs> I'm thankful for. And then, you know, I, I mean, why, why tank? You just keep him there. So, you know, he, he definitely doesn't seem like he, he knows what he's doing. You, you know, even if he's an offensive mind, I mean, all you got to do is look at him. I mean, he can't control his sidelines. I mean, <laughs> you know, you can't have two coaches, and that, that's the Jets' problem. They have two coaches. That's right. You have one guy who's running the defense. I mean, you look at the stupid penalties every week. It's it's hard, pretty hard to watch. I, I would never miss a Jet game. Now it's like, oh my God, the Jets are running again. It's like, uh, it's so hard to root against the Dolphins because, you know, I go back to the Mud Bowl. I mean, I can't stand the Dolphins. Yeah. Well, I, I know. And I, yeah, I know the Monday Night Miracle. That's about as far as I I go back. But yeah, uh, gotcha. I, I know. was at the fake. I was at the fake spike game. I, I mean, uh, it just. I used to have season tickets before parcels. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I was a long time, uh, you know, back in the day, I was an old Campbell fan because, you know, then I said, you know what, I be- I got to become a New York fan. And unfortunately, I picked the Jets, but, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I'm a Jet Mets fan. So I figured Jets, Mets, they both played in Shea Stadium, so mm-hmm. it was easy to follow. But, you know, I'm, I'm just saying the only thing about Gase is he, he did get Mike McCagnified, and I do like Joe Douglas. They have a lot of draft capital and uh, a ton, you yeah, know. and a lot of cap yeah, space. So, yeah, so exactly. So I'm just hoping, you know, 
you know, I, I mean, it's going to be between them. I, I, I got a feeling they might win a game, though. It's kind of scary because <laughs> they, they've had looked better. I mean, their defense, you know, if their defense was any good, they would win a few games. But their defense makes you know, give up 30 points a game. I know, I know. I, John, If and thanks for the call. John, if, if the Jets actually end up winning a game, I got a new team for you, the Jacksonville Jaguars. You got to root for them to win more than one game. And and just to to correct this my, myself here, I'm looking at the Jets' draft picks. Obviously, they drafted an offensive lineman. Just none of them have panned out basically since really Mangold and uh, and Ferguson. I mean, you got guys like uh, uh, Dakota Dozier, bust. I mean, you go through the list; they're all busts except for those two guys, in my opinion. Anyway, and and it, obviously Mackay Becton. So that's but that's not a McCagnan pick. Just so you guys know, <laughs> I I am aware of that. All right, let's go to the. Quick break here, and then we'll get more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. we got a lot, of, uh, a lot of mojo going tonight. we got 4.20 in the morning. Ron Blumberg will join us. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. The Fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Hi, I'm Marcus Samson, chef and proud Newark restaurant owner. It's projected that more than 1 million New Jersey residents won't have enough to eat this year. By partnering with local restaurants to deliver hot meals, Newark Working Kitchens help feed New Jersey's most vulnerable and in the process keep businesses open and hundreds of jobs alive. Visit newarkworkingkitchens.org to learn more about how we're feeding those in need. When a child is hospitalized and scared, the love and support of family is powerful. The generosity of the community gives Ronald McDonald House Charities New York Metro the ability to support thousands of families each year. RMHC programs serve families who have children that are receiving critical medical treatment at hospitals through programs like the Ronald McDonald House in New Hyde Park and the Ronald McDonald Family Room in Stony Brook. Give the gift of keeping families close to each other and the medical care they need today. Call 516-775-LOVE or visit rmhcnym.org today. Hi, this is Bob Papa. We've got a day of NFL action today for you. We get started right after Mark Malusis and David Deal's Football Sunday show with Giants game day at 1130, followed by Big Blue and the Cincinnati Bengals at 1. Then later on, it's the Chiefs and Bucks featuring Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, followed by the Bears and Packers to wrap it all up. So make sure you stay right here on your flagship station for the Giants and NFL football. The Fan, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Welcome back here to McCartan After Midnight. It's just about 3.30 here in the morning in New York City. Having a little dance party here in the studio, Pat and I. Taking your calls, 877-337-6666. Oh, that's a nice little remix there. I like it. Just a quick update on, did you pay the $50 to see the Tyson Jones Jr. fight? Four minutes left in the poll at Coach MCCARTAN if you wanted to get your vote in. 88% of you guys said No. We got a check-in from at Kaiser Rose 10. I asked him to please monitor if uh, Nate Robinson is is his his condition known. Uh, nothing reported yet, he says. I've got a question also on Twitter from David Levenstein. He wants to know what's the update with the softball team deal. If you guys listened last week towards the end of the show, I might might have mentioned that I would like to be part of the WFAN softball team. And wouldn't you know it, we had a very all-important listener at that time in the morning 
I guess, I mean, Mark Chernoff was listening at that part in the morning, and I and I awoke Sunday morning around 1130 last week, early, I know, and I, I had an email saying, basically saying, like, um, yeah, you, if if the season goes through without any COVID interruptions, you're probably better than some of the guys on the team. You'll you'll be part of it if, in fact, uh, we uh, we do play this season. So that's good news. So uh, I don't know. I don't know uh, which. I'm, I, you know what? I'm just looking forward to it. I don't know where they'll put me. I'll play wherever. Um, and I played in an inter. I played men and women softball. Um, in Tenafly, there was a Tenafly league in New Jersey, Bergen County there. I wanted to play shortstop, right? But, I mean, these guys were really teeing off on the ball. And I feel like if my if I survived playing three sports in high school and everything with my teeth and my nose uh, intact, I really don't feel like jeopardizing that for a uh, wreck softball game. So I don't know where they'll put me, but I will happily play wherever. And I'm a pretty good hitter, and I know I'm a really good runner. So excited for that. So hopefully... You guys can uh, keep your masks on, and, and I can get to play softball as a result of it. Mark, in California, you're on the fan. Hey, what's up? How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Mark? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So uh, I was listening to your caller in regards to right now. just had to take a quick point. Adam Gase is not the problem. He is most definitely the problem. He reminds yes. me of Pat Shermer. I'm a Giants fan. We worse. had Pat Shermer. We had our Adam Gase. Oh, he's worse. His name is Pat Shermer. <laughs> so anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but um, in regards to... What I want to talk about, um, you know, I was telling, uh, I think his name was Pat. I wrote an article on Bleacher Report. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a beat writer for them well, in regards to Gary Sand. Really? Yeah, let, Gary me, Sand, let me put up the article. What, what's what's it called? Let me see. I got my computer open uh, right here. My name is my name is Mark Cootie. It's just like you guys have like Brendan Cootie, but okay. it's spelled K-U-T-T-Y. K-U-T-T-Y. Um, and then it was Sanchez, you said? It was an article on Gary Sanchez in regards to him being non-tendered. Okay. Um, you know, my take is, is that. You know, he did hit 147. There's a lot of other players who didn't do as good. You know, Francisco Lindor didn't have a great year. There were a couple of other players, Chris Bryant. And, I mean, four years ago, you're telling me Chris Bryant's getting non-tender. Guy hit 39 and 102, like 35 doubles, 20 triples. It was just a dominant performance. And now four years later, he's getting non-tender. But um, my take is, is that I have a kind of a weird take is, well, maybe needs to be re-signed, number one. He deserves the Derek Jeter treatment. He's that good. He's that, in everything That's not a weird take. Him. That's not a weird take. That's go- obviously going to well, be the first domino to fall. It that's should be anyway. obviously going to be there. But the Yankees might be there in terms of money. I'm hearing from different sources that the Yankees want to go three years, maybe 60, and maybe push a fourth and a fifth year in terms of – Yeah, we talked about that. Oh, was that your source? We talked about that last week. I hear. Yeah, so that's my first take, which isn't kind of strange. But then there's Girochella, who at third base kind of mm. is good but not great offensively. So you could move Urshela. You put LeMayu at third. You turn around. You possibly find a taker for Sanchez or package him in the Francisco Lindor trade to kind of sweeten the deal a little bit. Um, then you turn around. You trade for Lindor. You sign Ramuto. Um, and then literally you shift, obviously, Torres back to second base. And then, you know, your shortstop is set. Who's, wait, I'm sorry. Who, who's, who's the first baseman? Is it Voight, did you say? Well, your first baseman would obviously be Voight. Voight's trade value right now is at an all-time high, and I understand that. So move him. the guy hit 22 homers. But he does not need to go anywhere. And there was talks of possibly trading him and, you know, uh, you know uh, Andujar for Blake Snell, which to me would only make the Yankees worse, in my opinion, just because just attracting offense for pitching. I understand that. But, but the Yankees, could literally it, I mean, on. you know, as a beat reporter for Bleach Report, which I'm still trying to pull up the article, I, can't, I still can't seem to find it. 
that that the Yankees Achilles heel, the reason why they they really can't get over the hump is, I mean, it's pitching, right? Because it's pitching, if, of course, if, but, but there's the, a guy. Listen, but let me let me say something. Because if the Yankees had the pitching, they wouldn't have pulled that ridiculous stunt with Davey Garcia and Jay Happ. Okay, if they had the pitching well, that they thought can get them to the I, World Series, I would not. I would not blame that on on Boone at all. I would blame it on Cashman more than likely because obviously, yeah. Well, it's, it's a them. team effort, though. Come on, you know that you're it's right, a team effort. Right. But you know, people are bashing Cashman. You know, Corey Kluber is available now. Mind you, not Blake, the pitching coach. Corey Kluber, when he was the pitching coach for Cleveland. I think Kluber's record was 21-7 and seven with a 2-12 ERA in his second with Cy Young. He's the guy the Yankees need to go out there. The analytics, in my opinion, is fantastic. I like Tanaka. Um, I do not like, do not like, I'll stress this enough, I am not a fan, okay, of Trevor Bauer at all. Not a fan. Sub-four pitcher, had one good year in Cincinnati. It's not happening. It does not need to happen to pay him all that money. That is not, I'm not a fan at all. Guys, those two pitches... And you look at his fastball spin rate, it was above like 60%, which is abnormal to sustain in a full season. So, mind you, this was a 60-game season, so he pitched well. But I, I'm not a fan. Okay, um, and you're entitled to that. And Kluber is an interesting Luis name Castillo to look at. Castillo was available. Luis Castillo was available from the Reds. He's a guy I would like. Okay, um, so now we're just throwing but, out names here. But I have a question for you. Now, yeah. you said you'd move DJ LeMahieu to third base, right, and, and move Gio Urshela. Right. Okay. Did yeah. you look at the you know third base is a difficult position to field? Did you look at his fielding percentage at third base nine fifty one? And you look at that and you compare Ooh, it against Gio Urshela's at th- at third base, it's nine sixty six. And um, I- I'm moving Luke Voigt. <laughs> I'm moving Luke Voigt, and, that- and that's what I would do. And I would when make DJ Lemayu the first baseman. People don't know this, but when Lemayu first came to the league in Colorado, he played third base. He played third base. Yeah, but he's not he's season. not too good at it. He's got a nine fifty one fielding percentage. True, nine nine fifty one. But the problem is, is that Urshela doesn't really hit the ball. Like I understand he's great defensively, and that's the situation that the Yankees are finding themselves in right now. Is that I want to get better defensively. Yadier Molina, is there a situation to get better defensively? Thirty years old, he had ten homers. No, I, I, I listen. I don't want I don't, Yadier Molina. I if if the Yankees doing anything, that. it's going to be go, McCann. I'd rather go with James McCann exactly, or yeah. Tyler Flowers of Chicago. He's 30, 31 years old and has all the potential in the world, but. If you're gonna if you're gonna put James McCann and Tyler Flowers or Yadier Molina and you're disregarding Sanchez, who I understand in 2019 he's a 236 career hitter, he still hits you 34 and 77. So the situation is is that yeah, but you do know, you have a stat though, Mark, for the number of runs that that he gave up I behind the plate? Everything. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely so how many runs? How many runs did he give up by his poor defense behind the plate? I mean, you got to look at that You're too. Right. He What's gave, the differential? He, he, gave, he gave up a lot, but the thing is, is the Yankees haven't seen it for six years. But they're they're enamored with his upside. Absolutely enamored. I believe it when I they're see it. They're in love with it. Yeah, I believe it and when I see it. Most teams will. And like my dad says, he says if you put Sanchez on the market, there'll be no teams. There will be teams licking their chops to sign Sanchez, regardless of his defense, because of his offensive upside. Mm. And the thing is, is the only way you get better is by signing Ramulto, who's 30 years old, who's the best catcher in the game, who's a better upside. He's getting better every single year. I've watched him for years. He's the guy you sign. Well, Mark, th- but you can't sign Lemayu and Ramulto. That right. won't happen. You can't do it, Mark. Thank so, you. And the Yankees are not going over that uh, that that threshold there to sign Real Muto. That's that's obviously out. They're going to roll with Sanchez. He doesn't have a, a big trade value. They're going to roll in with Sanchez and Higashioka again. But it's really, really uh, telling when your ace pitcher that you bring in for nine years, three hundred and twenty-four million dollars, does not want to pitch to Gary Sanchez. 
that's a big tell. Then you you should bring in a guy like uh, uh, Mike McCann, Mike McCann, <laughs> James McCann, where he would be that defensive catcher who pitchers want to pitch to. That's the way you go. And as far as Gio Urshela not being a good hitter, I mean, I don't know what you were watching last year. That was a great call. That was a great call. And if you're still listening, please DM me the link because I still can't find the article. But it's uh, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A. And you tweet me on there, and, and I'll uh, give you some kudos once I get the link in hand. But for the Yankees, Gio Urshela was a gold glove caliber third baseman, number one. Number two, he batted 298. 300. The guy batted 300. But more so, more importantly, what Gio Urshela means to that team is something that Gary Sanchez does not mean to that team. It's something that Aaron Judge does not mean to that team. Or Giancarlo Stanton. You guys know what I'm getting at just yet? Gio Urshela represents, and as well as DJ LeMay, he represents a philosophical shift in the batter's box. These are guys that spray the ball all around the field with a little bit of pop. LeMay more so, obviously, yes. These are guys that can move the ball around the infield. They hit for average, whereas half of the Yankees lineup does not. And that, in addition to the, the, the starting pitching ridiculousness, barren starting pitching, shall we say, that, the inability to hit in, in clutch situations, the, the swing for the fences and hope for the best mentality, it's, it should be, in my opinion, out the window. So you, so, and Luke Voigt is one of those guys. Luke Voigt's value will probably never be higher. You move him. Because I am not sticking DJ LeMay who had third base. I'm not doing it. He, it's his worst defensive position. And, and, and I talk about it all the time, you know, just, just move him. Just, just switch him. Yeah, okay. I was a shortstop. When I played third base, I wasn't comfortable. It affected, you know, my, men, my mental approach at the plate. It affected a lot of different things. And, I, and I'm not one of those weak-minded players, I don't think. So, there was a lot in that phone call. I know that. But if I'm moving anybody, it's Luke Voigt. You know, in a trade package. It's Luke Voigt. And any buyer or potential wanter or owner of Gary Sanchez is, is at this point in time, wanting him based on his potential. We agreed on that. But what is the potential? I would not, if I was another team, I would not, Take a uh, take a risk on Gary Sanchez just yet. He's got to prove himself to me if I'm a different team. And uh, what can the Yankees infield look like? Um, see, here's the thing that that still I'll say it again. Not a lot of people are talking about. I mentioned it last week. Well, I not I mentioned it. I, I talked about it last week and I suggested it last week. Bring back Didi Gregorius. So then, therefore. Your infield looks like LeMahieu at first, Torres at second, end that experiment, right? End the experiment as, a, as the Yankee shortstop. You bring back uh, Didi Gregorius for shortstop, and you keep Urshela at third base. That would be the Yankees, realistically speaking, okay? You can go ahead and throw out all these names that you want, right? At, at shortstop, you can talk about... Uh, what's his name all you want, Lindor. The Yankees are not getting Lindor because, they one, there's no guarantee that he's going to sign with them again. And, two, there's no guarantee they can even afford him at that point in time. Mayhew at first, Torres at second, Gregorius at shortstop, and Urshela at third. Gregorius is invaluable in that clubhouse. 
which I thought was a given. He's a great uniter. You know, he had that whole post-game emoji thing going on, which I actually do after Jets and Giants games. You guys know that. You know, in August 2016, a couple years ago, I interviewed him one-on-one. I asked him, D.D. Gregorius, about the effect of him knowing four languages, four in a clubhouse. Just so you know, he speaks Dutch, English, Spanish, and Papiamentu, which is spoken in the Dutch Caribbean, by the way. And he said getting to translate a little bit for some of the guys, that's the fun part about it. You get to talk to everybody on the field, actually, and that's the best part. He's the lefty bat that the Yankees need. He's a familiarity factor. He played in all 60 games in the COVID-shortened season. No signs of slowing down. I would not hesitate to do it. Didi Gregorius is the guy that the Yankees need to go out and get. Of course, DJ LeMahieu as well. But DJ, uh, um, Didi Gregorius would be uh, high up on my second choice list. But that's me. I want to know what you think. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan with you here on The Fan until 6 a.m. Hey there, it's your buddies, Cardin and Roberts. Hope you get into the weekend feeling pretty, pretty good. And if you're lucky, Monty Schmader hasn't texted you about your kids eating ice cream. <laughs> I got to tell you, these movies you've given me so far, so good. That's all I'll say. It's a holiday weekend, but like all good things, it comes to an end soon. And then we come back tomorrow at 2 o'clock on Sports Radio 66, 1019 FM, The Fan. Welcome back, everybody, to McCartan After Midnight at 3.46 and 36 seconds here from Lower Manhattan in New York, the Mike Francesa studio. Listen, I look around here every week, and there's more and more, uh, can I say the word crap? There's more and more crap in this studio every single week, man. You know what? I think I'm going to post a picture of myself holding the newest addition to the studio, which is a canvas black and white print of Abraham Lincoln. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why it's here. We had the Jonas Brothers arrive last week, the cardboard cutouts of the Jonas Brothers, and uh, now we got Abe Lincoln. I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, By the way, we have heard from Nate Robinson. I checked Twitter. Apparently, he doesn't have a Twitter. It's on. I got it it sent to me on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, by, I want to give you credit here, uh, by, well, Fresh at RJREC1333, but he sent me a, the Instagram post from Nate Robinson. I don't know if he posted it or someone posted it on his behalf, but basically it said, thank you, everyone, for all the well wishes. I'm okay, blah, blah, blah. So Nate Robinson is alive. He's okay, which was a little bit scary. So we were just talking about some roster moves for the Yankees. We could talk about some roster moves for the Mets as well. And, it, guys, it's by the way, it's it's football Sunday. It's week 12 action. The Jets are still tanking for Trevor Lawrence, who seems to have given the uh, the old goodbye to Death Valley. If you listen to what he said after the game, and uh, welcome to the welcome to the Meadowlands, Trevor Lawrence, and the Giants, believe it or not, are playing for at least a, a tie, which they would have the tiebreaker over the Washington Redskins. I always say Redskins, the Washington Football Team. Um, excuse me for that. Uh, Washington football team at, at top of the NFC East. The, the Giants are playing meaningful football here on November 29th, 2020. And at 4:20, we've got Ron Blumberg, the first DH in Major League Baseball. We'll talk to us about, you know, the the status of the DH moving uh, from 2020 and beyond. 
So let's go back to the calls. 877-337-6666 is the phone number. You know that already. Pick it up. Give me a call. Bob in the Bronx. I'm just going to go in the order that you guys call. Bob in the Bronx, you're on the fan. First of all, good morning and a blessed holiday to all to everyone. Well, thanks, Bob. You too. Um, I think you've hit everything. I'm, I'm taking notes, actually. Oh, hi, you know <laughs> I'm what? I'm a former auditor that retired uh, a couple of months ago. Bob, wait uh, one second. Tyson, Bob, that makes me happy because I, I am a teacher by day. <laughs> so I, I love and, that you're taking notes on what I'm saying. I don't even have to tell you to do it. And the crazy thing is I graduated from Forum U as a teacher but went into auditing, and I took no accounting courses, and I did it for 44 years. Wow, well, good for you. Which kind of tells us uh, common sense. But going to, to my Mets, yeah. I'm a long-time Mets fan. Yeah. My number one guy is Springer. My number two guy is Riamuto or McCann, which is, you've been speaking about McCann. I don't know too much about oh, him. Oh, McCann would be the – he would be the move. You look more into him, and I can tell you more about him you know, after the call, yeah. but McCann would be and, the move and, for me. And the third one is DJ LeMahieu to play second base. Oh, wow. Well. What I have is I have Nimmo in left, okay. Springer in center, uh-huh. and Fordo in right. Yep. Lindor in shortstop. Oh, we'll you, you're going back for the to gusto here. Bit. Yeah, okay. We'll get back a little bit. J.D. Davis at third, Dom Smith as third base. And if we ever decide, MLB decides, uh, the DH, DH, it would right. be Alonso. Right. And what I'm going to give up for Lindor would be um, McNeil and Jimenez or Rosario. I don't. I don't think the Indians do it. I, I, they were looking for what I read. The last I read, they were looking for at least three major league players plus. So, but you know what, Cleveland, you're either going to get something or nothing because they'll walk away. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that. But I, yeah. and I don't know that DJ LeMay who's going to sign with the Mets. But I did tease it. I did talk about it on Halloween. It, it, it is a possibility. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I would not give up on Jeff McNeil. I, I and I like Jeff McNeil as a player. He's a good player. He's a greedy player. Um, I, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I, but then if we don't get the manual, we'll put McNeil back right yeah, back in there. Yeah, that's a good. Which I think is. Yeah. And again, it's. I'm not too. I'm not too worried about pitching because I don't think the Mets. It's not. It was not all about. It was hitting, timely hitting with the Mets. Yeah, it was the bullpen, though, too. For the yeah, Mets, it was the bullpen. It, which is another thing. That, that, that's what I would address before I addressed yeah. any really of the other things, really. Yeah. I mean, the bullpen cost you more games than your center fielder did, right? Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, I'm a Bronx boy, so i got to deal with Yankee fans. <laughs> okay. You're Rob from the Bronx. You're yeah, so, you're so I, I love, Rob from the Bronx. I love my Mets, and, uh, and that's it. I'm, I'm glad I got through to you. And I, you made so many points that, I like I said, I've got all these notes. The forfeit, <laughs> which I, I think should, should go through. Yeah, you know, but, if, if you don't respect the rules, correct, you should be penalized. But you mentioned the fact of the, which I'm going to look up into the uh, the forfeiture salary. Yeah, and I wanted to look that up as well, and I just forgot yeah. on that break. But I know yeah. I, I think I read that somewhere, but I'm I'm not positive yeah. on that. But I think that's yeah. what I read. I'm like ninety percent positive that they would. And have the to other thing is, I even forgot this fight was on. You're you paid for it? No, you got what you got. I did not pay for that. No way. Which I don't. I would not. I, I got it not. on Twitter. That was enough. I needed yeah. to say. That's it. And I think an earlier point that you made, and when you want guys want to cut me off, cut me off. No. Kickers. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Kickers a kicker. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Because remember the most famous Garo Yepremian when he screwed up with the uh, kick for Miami Dolphins years ago. Yeah. And he tried to throw a pass, and it was one of the worst. <laughs> a kicker's a kicker. You're paid to kick. Yep. They're the worst tacklers ever. Okay. <laughs> Men and women. <laughs> let's just, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, let's that's what I'm there. saying. It doesn't I know. make a difference. I and, know. Uh, I know. And I have to say, Daniel, I really enjoyed it. I've been hearing it for two hours. I've been waiting just to speak to you, and it's been a pleasure. And 
like I said, the best uh, for everyone on this upcoming year. Well, Bob, I appreciate that, and then I hope you tune in. This is my time every week, so I hope uh, All right, you, and you I'm, I'm a, a shout-out to my Fordham University out there. There you go. Fordham Rams. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bob, take care. Have thank a blessed you. year. Right. <laughs> Fordham Rams. Go Fordham. All right, yeah, let's go Let's go back to another one here. In the order that you guys call Frank in Valley Stream, you're on the fan, Frank. Hi, Danielle. How you doing? I'm good, Frank. How are you? I'm doing good. I was trying to get the heat up in my car, and then that guy called, and it came up right away. <laughs> Which guy? Which one? The, the kicker guy? <laughs> the, guy that said so, the guy that said something about the girls. Oh, this is the <laughs> wrong show pretty... to pull, pull that on. I, I hate to tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to talk about the Giants, but yeah. I, I'm a mess fan. Yeah. But I, I want to talk about the Yankees because the floor on that team is the floor that I, I which I, I watch baseball. I love baseball. Mm-hmm. That's my sport. Mm-hmm. And um, the floor in baseball nowadays is why people ain't watching it is because it's boring. I mean, you either strike out and the innings are so, there's nothing, the contact hitter, they're kind of throwing off to the side. Yeah. I mean. I mean, if the Yankees are leaving LeMayo out there, something's really wrong. I mean, you should that guy should have been signed five minutes after the season ended. I agree with you. I mean, that's how, that's how good he is. I mean, yeah. he was the only guy on that team. And to bring back Didi, the other clutch guy that they let go, mm-hmm. that, if you didn't think he was missing from this lineup last year, I mean, there were so many times in the clutch. I mean, I know he had a bad year, mm-hmm. but he's only had one bad year with the Yankees, and they got rid of him. Yeah. I mean, he, he came after Derek Jeter, you... Not that you forgot about Derek Jeter, but it wasn't like... It was seamless. You know, you said, oh, God, you know, yeah. where's Derek Jeter? I mean, he he filled in the shoes pretty good yep. for the five or six years he was there. Agreed. And, and he was clutch. Yep. So, I mean, he's another guy that puts the ball in play. So if you did the team that you said, you would have a guy on third that hits the ball. Mm-hmm. You would have a guy at short that hits the ball. You would have a guy at first that hits the ball. I mean, so you would have, you would eliminate a lot of that strike out, you know, all or nothing guys. Right. And you got and the I philosophy. Hate all or nothing guys. Yeah, Frank, that's that's the philosophy. That's why the Mets to me have a more balanced lineup. I mean, they're they're guys that spray the ball all over the field. That's what you need in my opinion and in your opinion too, I'm gathering. That's what you need. Yes. A- enough with this feast or famine stuff. But again, Gregorius has some pop. LeMayu has some pop. And so does and don't discount the uh, Glaber Torres over there at second base. He had a down year, sure, but that's that's the idea that that I and, and don't forget Clint Frazier as well. That guy is is that same sort of hitter. So that's what the Yankees need more of. And like guys like Lemayu and and Degori and all these guys that that put the ball in play. Don't yes. you think that would have a reflection on Torres that looked like he was a hell of a lot better when DD was there? Yep. This year he looked completely lost at the plate. Yep. The guy is too good of a ball player to be that bad. Um, he looked like he was going for home runs all the time. Yep. I mean, you know, he the year before he was putting the ball in play all over the place. I mean, so, you know, a lot of that is the fact that one guy who does make a difference. I remember when Mets got rid of Ray Knight after the 86 uh, World Series, and it made a big difference to get rid of that guy. I mean, you know, so it's, one guy does make a difference on the team. Totally with you, Frank, and thanks for the call. Totally with you. And, and I think that the Yankees with this uh, – this whole we talk about it every at least once a week we talk about this this philosophy at the plate it's just not working for the Yankees they're getting to where they need to be and then they can't get it done whether that be a, uh, the pitching whether that be the clutch hitting or a combination of both and enough is enough Gary in Manaloki let's go down the shore Gary you're on the fan hey Danielle how you doing I'm good how are I you a, I had a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about but first let me just say I don't really listen to the radio this 
late in the morning, I guess. I'm, I'm driving uh-huh. uh, unusually, and uh, I admit I've never really heard you on the radio, but okay. I tuned in and I've been listening to you. i got to tell you, you're really impressive. I appreciate your acumen. I think you you do a really good job of what you do, so I just wanted to say that to you real quick. Gary, thanks. Um, I was going to talk about DJ LeMay for the Mets, but... That's that's been talked about for the last twenty minutes. So I think he, I think he'd be a great fit at second base. But, Anywhere uh, he goes, sure. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a consummate ball player, and I don't know why he hasn't signed yet. It's probably up to him what he's wanted to do. But anyway, um, I wanted to talk to you about what your thoughts on uh, this uh, this young girl that kicked for Vanderbilt mm-hmm. today. Did you happen to see that? Or I watched talk about every that at all? every play of the game. I watched. Yes. Yeah, I, I was I was going. My, my daughter goes. To Penn State, and I was going back and forth mm-hmm. watching the Vanderbilt Missouri game, hoping that I could catch her on the field. And I thought it was, I thought it was really a fantastic uh, event that they uh, were able to uh, put on there at Vanderbilt. So um, I wanted to get your thoughts about uh, if if girls are allowed to, if women are allowed to suit up for men's football game in, the, in that capacity. What is what is keeping and what is stopping any other? For you know, men men doing the same thing. What are, what is what are exactly the rules and the guidelines for that? I Do you mean, have any? Yeah, Gary. Thanks for the call. Um, I am not going to pretend to be an expert on like Title Nine and all this this stuff, this red tape stuff. Um, I what I can make the point of is that there is no women's football team. You know, like actual American football. Of course, there's soccer. Um, but if she wanted to play on a women's football team, it doesn't exist. That would be my guess. Um, and of course, and, and please, I'm not going to take any more phone calls on this either, but, um, if there was a male player, baseball player that wanted to play softball, I don't think that would be really allowed since there is baseball, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I think that would be just the, the, the logical sort of difference there. I mean, I understand the point. I do understand the point, but you do have male cheerleaders, don't you? Cheerleading is widely seen as a female sport, and it doesn't um, – I can't think of a word, but it doesn't prevent males from being cheerleaders. We had Dean, uh, my cheerleading in high school. Dean, he was he was the mascot. He was everything. He was, he was good, Dean. And I don't want to say his last name, but um, I think that would be just the fundamental difference, that there is no football league for, for women to play in. I mean, that would be the difference. And – um, she did great. She did a great job. I'm glad they found her some time. And I'd like to see her kick a field goal. I wish Vanderbilt was a better football team to see her kick a field goal. And again, I'm not trying to break down the legalities of, of all this stuff. It's just the eye test, the logic test, and, and that's that. We'll get to more of your calls after Mike McCann's update. Danielle McCartney. Welcome back, everybody. I really want to dive right back into this. It is 4.04 in the morning here in New York City. Um, and we've been talking a lot of baseball, which I love. Baseball is uh, probably the sport that I feel like I know the best, um, followed by football. And I, I do know basketball pretty well. And that order, I'd go basketball, football. Uh, no, I'm sorry, baseball, football, basketball, hockey is probably the order in which I would go. And obviously, the U.S. women's national team. I don't follow soccer, soccer, but I do follow that team. I am um, very heavily invested in that team, actually, and I, I don't. I, I did put an email out um, to them for maybe a potential guest next week. Um, I, 
It didn't, it didn't work out the first time I asked them, so I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but I did put out an email to them, and I am waiting to hear back from them to see if I can get somebody as a guest next week, especially in light of this Sarah Fuller stuff. So um, real, real, real quickly for, for Bob in the Bronx, before before you go to sleep, Bob, I want to tell you, James McCann, um, and, and, and uh, Vernon, I see you there. I'll get to you. Uh, 877-337-6666 is the phone number if you guys want also want to get aboard. 420, we will have Ron Blumberg calling in. So um, if you get, if you have a call, if you have a question, either get it in before or after that 420. I really don't – I don't like to make you guys wait through the whole thing. But if you'd like to, that's fine. Um, but I will get to you, Vernon, in one second here. So, But um, in, far, in terms of the Yankees catchers, if, if Gary Sanchez is not going to be the guy, um, or even for the Mets, I don't I, – I, I was so high in Real Muto, sure. But – if you're looking to add, if, if you're the Mets and you're looking to add more expensive options elsewhere, or if the Yankees, if you're the Yankees and you're just trying to stay under that luxury, you got to look at James McCann. The guy's 30 years old until June. He's, you can get him probably around eight to $10 million a year. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at all this stuff. I'm going through it all. And, you know, there's a lot to like about him. I mean, he, the guy was an all star in 2019, he's hitting the ball harder. And his slugging percentage and, and on-base plus slugging percentage have been career highs over the past two seasons. He's also walked at a career high 7.2% last season, the shortened season. I get it. Defensively, the guy's solid. According to fan graphs, which I love, he has nine defensive runs saved over the past two seasons. And if that wasn't good enough, according to Baseball Savant, also I love that website, McCann is ranked in the 88th percentile in pitch framing. You know that experiment that the Yankees tried doing with, with Gary Sanchez that didn't really work this year? You don't need to do that with McCann because he's already good at it. He's already one of the best at it. Pitchers like throwing to him. I have a really good feeling that Garrett Cole would like to throw to at, at him, that, that Zach Britton like, would like to throw at him, and Zach Britton, as you know, lives in the bottom of the strike zone. And not to mention any of the Mets pitchers as well just for the simple ability for him to be able to frame that pitch to get that extra strike call, that would be a huge benefit. You know, okay, he's a right-handed batter. Does that scare you? It, 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 Brian Cashman told you it, it doesn't scare him. He actually said it didn't matter to him as long as the player was an upgrade. He said, every decision you have, this is a quote, every decision you have is, so I know an earlier conversation with our manager, are we too right-handed? Of course you'd like to have balance. The key words here were, if you can, if McCann, is, if McCann is your man, then you can't. And Cashman is okay with that. So I would really take a real hard look at James McCann. I feel like he is going to be on the move. And, and Yadier Molina, man, I am not sold on Yadier Molina. And we can get into that as well. I would stay very far away from him. Very, very far away from him. But uh, we can also get into that. But I want to get to you, Vernon. You waited a long time. Vernon, in Manhattan, you're on the fan. Hey, Dan, how are you doing? I'm good, Vernon. How are you? Doing good. I'm going for three things. Um, first with Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, and of course, you just opened Pandora's box when you said, you know, baseball very well, because I'll give you a baseball quiz question. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First, first thing, let's go to Mike Tyson. Now, when Mike Tyson had bit off a uh, holy field's ear, and because of his violent temper, every time he fought, they had to give him medicine to keep him calm when he went into the ring to fight. Did they do this with this particular fight? Did you know? Do you know if it's true or not? 
I have no idea. I, di- I didn't buy the fight. I didn't want to waste, throw $50 out the window. I, I, if I wanted to waste $50, I probably would have put it on the Jets to win tomorrow or later today. No, I, I have no idea. Sorry, Vernon. Well, take the $50 and put it on the other team. You'll win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The Jets might surprise everybody this week. Who knows? All right, let's go to Muhammad Ali. Um, remember, Muhammad Ali was known for always opening his mouth, mm-hmm. saying things. You know, um, there was a special film footage on Candid Camera. Do you know the reason why he became that type of mouth that would roar? From which uh, player or sports figure did he follow to do this? Do you know? remember who it was? I don't. I, I, I don't even know if I was even alive to see a, a late <laughs> fight, <laughs> to be it honest. Actually, it was actually Gorgeous George. Okay. I would have never guessed that. <laughs> okay. There was a film footage, you gotta see this, of Muhammad Ali. Okay. It's called This Is Your Life. It was actually filmed in England. And one of the, you're gonna find out a lot of things. I can't tell you, but you're gonna be shocked what you're gonna find out. I got it Do right here. Know, I got it pulled up. I'll leave it up till tomorrow morning. Got it. Okay. Do you know that Muhammad Ali actually punched his mother in the mouth and <gasps> knocked out one tooth what? and caused the other tooth to become loose? Did you know that? I did not. Yeah, his mother tells the story. But I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to spoil it for you. Oh, yeah. So it's in this? I'll, I'll watch it. I have it. I'll leave yeah, the tab open. It's in there. It's yeah. in England where it was filmed at. You can see a lot of people come in there. You know how they say, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. So you're going to find that out. So here's the last one. This, this is the baseball quiz question. Okay. But you know baseball very well. Who was the first baseball player to get his name put on a sports equipment? That name was put on a bat. Who was that player? Hmm, a professional player? Yes. And remember when you buy sports equipment, you see names on the back. Yeah, you yeah. See Babe Ruth, you yeah. see a name on the glove, got a little sport, uh, uh, famous sports player. So who was hmm. that player to get his name first ever put on the bat? And uh. also the first player ever to get his name put on the sports equipment. I feel like, Vernon, I was watching that show the other night, Baseball by Ken Burns. I feel like I, they might have said, I, I, I don't know, I'll make a guess, Ted Williams. No. His, he, his face is known on the most famous card in the world. I have no idea. You stumped me, Vernon. I don't know. <laughs> okay, it's Honus Wagner. Oh, he yeah. He was the first. Okay. Daniel, thank you for playing the sports quiz question. <laughs> I'll bring you another baseball question next week. See you later. <laughs> Vernon, thanks for the call. Pat, this could be a new segment, sports question of the week. <laughs> yeah, you know, Honus Wagner, yeah, that, that's sure. That makes a lot of sense. But, you know, I was watching that, and I did feel like I was very much in line. You know, I did a, a book report on, on Babe Ruth when I was a kid, and um, I, I really, really liked Babe Ruth when I was a kid, and I did a report, and I did learn – that he ended up going to an all-boys school. I didn't realize that it was like, in this movie, they said they used the word prison. I didn't realize that when I was a kid, that he that they sent him away. But I did know that he used to, I think they lived above the bar that his, his parents either owned or, or definitely worked at. And um, yeah, I knew a lot about Babe Ruth. See, I, I wish I would have started this whole thing a little bit sooner, <laughs> this whole sports thing, because all the clues were there. Why, why didn't it happen sooner? Oh, man. Tom, don't be this guy. He wrote on Twitter, Danny, Sarah's kickoff went 15 yards. Not good, question mark, question mark, question mark. Tom, did you see the, the post game? It was a design squib kick. 
It was designed that way. <laughs> That's what she was doing. That was the, the mission accomplished there. She was not going to be sending a booming kick to the end zone. That wasn't the game plan. She stuck to the game plan and executed it fairly well. Um, if, uh, if you ask me. Uh, let's see. Any tweets coming in at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N? Yeah, Joey says, uh, I'm, he, he, <laughs> he said, problem solved in Denver. And it's a quote tweet of Jerry Judy saying, guess I'm going to have to get my Lamar Jackson on. Yeah, I, I might actually have to get my Lamar Jackson on too. Let me get on a flight to uh, Denver. Is that where the game is? Now back to the catchers. The reason why I would stay with away from Yadier Molina, here's the thing. The Yankees have shown interest in him, and I think the Mets have too. My first hang-up is, why would the guy want to leave St. Louis? I really don't think he's going to, to be honest. I think he'd want to finish out his career with the team that drafted him 20 years ago, be that guy. But besides that, even if he does want to leave and eventually does get out, he's got a ton of wear and tear on his body. Ton. Just in the terms of the number of games he played. Remember, catcher is the most physically demanding position on the field. Molina ranks sixth all-time in games played as a catcher. And you only need 77 more, which presumably could be this upcoming season, to break not only the top five, but into the top four in most all-times game played. That, in addition to playing in all four World Baseball Classics, uh, he's caught both games of doubleheaders day and night. He re- the guy refuses days off, which you appreciate. I appreciate that. But at 38 years of age, that that's a little much for me. And honestly, I don't really think it's too smart. Again, he's a right-handed bat. So, again, I, I would be surprised if he does not re-sign with the Cardinals, but even more surprised if the Yankees actually ended up with him. And forget this mentor to Gary Sanchez. Uh, just stop it. The guy's, listen, the Yankees had the best mentor to Gary Sanchez in World Series catcher, catcher of David Cohn's perfect game, Joe Girardi. No expo worked even a three-ball count that day. Cohn's total number of pitches was 88. Joe Girardi caught that. Joe Girardi was Gary Sanchez's manager. Joe Girardi tried. And Joe Girardi was fired. So don't get me started on this Sanchez mentorship stuff. The Yankees had that mentor, and they let him go. Robin Babylon, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you, Danny? I'm good. How good are you? Coach, uh, uh, listen, Danny, uh, you know what? And please don't cut me off because I really need to make a point okay. to come across. Not only... Rob, I just have to let you know that we have to go to break at 18, 418. So. Okay, I got you. I got you, Danny. I'm just going to say it real quick because mm-hmm. that's why I call me Babylon. Babylon is my... Uh, Danny, we got to have consideration. We got to be considerate for these guys that are going out there and at least trying to give us some sort of normalcy, man, because they're going through what we're going through. And at a, and, and at a drop of a dime, guy, these guys are uh, being quarantined or we're just, you know, socializing with a person, man, that, that tests positive with this disease. And the reality of it is, is that it's been around one. Two, it's not going anywhere, uh, Danny. It's an airborne disease. And so we got to just kind of like be fair. You know, of course, you, you know something, man, with, with, with the salaries that are going on, these franchises, they do have enough money. They have enough money in their funds to take care of these contracts that have been signed, you know, in the past. But at the end of the day, we don't know what we are faced with 
for the future when it comes to this disease. Yeah. And the reality of it is, is that guys are coming up positive, negative, positive, negative. You can cough and all of a sudden you're positive. And it's just so unfair that people are just judging these people, you know, the Tyson fight, whatever. They just wanted to give us some sort of a laughter or, you know, some normalcy. Yeah, but uh, Rob, sure. And, and thanks yeah. for the call there, Rob. I, I un- totally understand. Yes, I totally understand you. But think of the frontline workers. Think of the police officers. Think of the teachers, which I am, every day or four days a week at least in that classroom with those kids. Yes, the athletes, Sure. But all these other people don't get paid millions of dollars to do this. And I'm not saying that that's the the great equalizer here. We're all doing the best we can. That's my motto for 2020. I'm doing the best I can. That's my motto. Yes, I totally agree with you. Yes, they're being put out there for our entertainment purposes, our gambling purposes, sure, everything, yes, get it. But, you know, it's the world in which we're living in. The frontline workers, the hospital workers, the police officers, the teachers, the grocery store workers, all of it. We're all in this together. And we just have to be a little bit more considerate of each other. So maybe, hopefully, next season we could put some put our fannies in the seats at, at stadiums around the country. How about that? Ron Blumberg coming up next on the Fan. Oh. Rolling along here on McCartan after midnight here on the Fan, we are joined by Ron Blumberg, who is enshrined in Cooperstown as being the first DH in MLB history. Ron, what a perfect time to have you on with the winter meeting scheduled for next week. Thanks for joining us. You know, Danielle, it's wonderful to be able to talk to you. I screwed up the game of baseball in 1973. We finally got baseball on the TV. You sit down. You're very much involved in the game still. You sit down. You turn the game on. Is the universal DH something that stuck out to you? Or did it more blend into the background? Well, you know, I think it blend in pretty good because I think the National League got used to it just a tiny bit. If you look at how much it improved the game, everybody hates to watch the pitchers hit. There's no a strategy in the game of baseball anymore. Unfortunately, the baseball has totally changed, became a home run or strikeout game. It's no first to third, no stealing. You know, people are getting sick and tired of watching a home run and strikeouts. Well, it's still unclear if the DH is going to be happening this upcoming season. Jeff Passan, he said his sources, you know, are saying that the players want it. He's saying sources are saying that the owners want the players to agree to an expanded playoffs for the 2021 season in exchange for it. And he's also reporting that the players don't find that to be an equitable trade. But from a player's perspective, why not? Well, you know, first thing we have to do is get past the virus first. We're taking a little bit step too far because I think the virus is going to linger into next season. I asked them, are they going to have spring training? They have no idea. Nobody knows anything about any of this stuff. I mean, are they going to have a larger schedule than the 60-game schedule? Are they going to have a bigger playoffs? Are they going to have to make a decision about it? I think the DH was great in the 60-game season. I think the players liked it an awful lot. It gives an extra player a roster spot. To me, it's a win-win situation for the owners to have the DH. It's a no-brainer. They will have it. But I also think that, too, like from an owner's standpoint, it's one of the most highest-paid positions, or maybe if not the highest. That kind of cuts into their revenue stream, too. So that makes me think that owners would not want something like this. This year, if you look at the Yankees, and I've spoken to Brian Cashman, and I've spoken to Lon Tross and Randy Levine, they lost a lot of money. I think it's going to hurt down the road. If they have a short season this year, 
free agency really is going to take a step back. The uh, player is going to see what we went through as a player, because when we're as a player trying to get a $500 a year raise, it took like four months to get it. Like in 1973, when I hit 329, they gave me a $500 raise, but it took me the whole uh, winter to get it. And then the next year I had 311, so they took my $500 back. And then the next year I hit 301, they didn't even talk about a raise to me. So they're going to see, and I know the baseball union's going to step up and say they're going to do this, they're going to do that. But the owner's going to find a way to show in their revenue how much money that they lost. You know, everybody's lost money. 42 million people out of work this year. And we're talking about Ron Blumberg, the MLB's first designated hitter here on The Fan. Uh, the virtual owners meetings are coming up December 7th through the, the 10th. They're going to vote on it. If they asked you as the first to assemble a PowerPoint presentation on the number one argument for a DH, what would you stand up there and say? Oh, you have to see um, right off the bat, it brings excitement to the team, excitement to the league. People that have been on the DL uh, could come back as a DH where they would not be sitting down as much. I know that as myself, and, you know, the people that I speak to, they love the DH. I hate to watch a pitcher hit. Watching a pitcher hit is miserable. I mean, you, you look at these guys. Number one, when I do a lot of stuff at the stadium, I usually go watch batting practice. And the pitchers right off the bat, they're not butting. They're not hitting behind the runners. They're trying to hit home runs. You, you look at the DH. Little League has a DH now. High school has a DH. College has a DH. The majority of minor league uh, teams have the DH. So most of these guys never even picked up a bat before. So I'd rather watch a good hitter that has come off the DL or watch a, a, a guy that has been struggling in the field just a little bit as a hitter. That's my PowerPoint. They need to have the DH. And Edgar Martinez made the uh, Hall of Fame. And now it's a whole position now. It's not a half a position. The position of the DH is here to stay. Now let me let me play devil's advocate with you because I am with you. I agree with you. If you were, again, asked to assemble a presentation, maybe on behalf of the owners, what would be an argument against having a DH? Oh, right off the bat. I mean, they look at the revenue. They will have to pay this guy. They look at, you know, saving X amount of dollars. And they're going to try to save everywhere. I know I've spoken to a lot of the guys that have worked at Yankee Stadium for many, many years. They don't know if they're even going to have a job. I'm just talking Yankee Stadium because that's where I'm at Yankee. You go to Legends, you know, uh, the, the dinner down in Legends. And I don't know if you've been down there. You probably have been down there. And, you know, everybody with the smorgasbords, you know, with the crab and prime rib and steaks and this and that and whatever. Are they going to have that? You know, I mean, the whole game, the whole world is upside down. Everybody's going to have to adjust. So they might have less eating places in Yankee Stadium. You got to look at this. The first DH in history now. What was that conversation like the night before you guys were taking on the Red Sox, April 6, 1973? You and your manager meet possibly. What, what was spoken about? It was a joke. You know, when we headed down in 73 and uh, down in spring training, nobody had any idea what the DH was. And, you know, I mean, it was a joke. 
And I remember everybody sitting on the bench, the pitchers, of course, they knew they were not going to hit. Ralph Houck, and it was Dick Hauser, Elston Howard, Whitey Ford, all those guys was down there. And we kept on asking the coaches, I want to be a DH. I want to be the DH. I want to be. So what we did was we didn't have just one DH. We have like three, four DHs. Everybody got to hit once. And, but nobody had any idea it's going to stay. Only reason why I was a DH, because I pulled a hamstring four days before we were supposed to break camp. They asked me, uh, is my leg okay? I said, absolutely. And I said to myself, if I go on the DL, I'm never going to come up to the big leagues anymore. So I told them I'm fine. So I get to, uh, I get to Boston. It's all my name as a DH. And I walked, of course, against Louis Tion, sat down next to Elston Howard. And Ellie told me, he said, if you want to go in the clubhouse, go in the clubhouse and stay warm. I said, okay. I went in the clubhouse with my bat. The clubhouse in Boston was very, very, it was small. So I'm sitting down in my little locker. And Vince, who was a guy, the clubhouse guy, was making kibasi and all the food. So I'm sitting down listening to the game. We didn't have a TV. So I started getting hungry. It's around about one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm getting hungry. And so I go over there. I said, Vince, you remind me eating a kibasi. He said, no, eat a kibasi. I said, this is not too bad. I'm warm. I'm eating my kibasi. I'm listening to the game. And I said, hey, I'm going down there to hit in a major league baseball game in about 20 minutes. Hey, I'm not stupid. So Ellie told me to get out of the cold. I said, hey, I'm not. It's 34 degrees. And Fenway Park, is. it was freezing down there. That was a day that I never thought that the DH was going to stay in existence. I screwed up the game. 48 years later, it's still there. I'm so proud of it. You're talking to me. I'm talking to Yankee baseball fans or just baseball fans. And it's been wonderful. Ron, it was obviously a brand new position for the league. Now it's a premium position as we, as we talked to her about or alluded to. Have any, I'm curious, any DHs called you to thank you for their big fat paychecks? Oh, absolutely. So I did a Jewish night in, down in Tampa. They inducted me into the Jewish Hall of Fame. Uh, Will Clark was there. He, he got some type of award. I never met him before. He went to Mississippi State. He's from Mississippi. I'm from Georgia. Uh, he came up to me. He said, I always wanted to meet you. I said, why? You don't like that. He said, you helped me get another big contract with the Texas Rangers for five years. I said, how much did you get? You got to tell me. He said, I got $70 million. I said, you could have bought the Yankees four times because uh, uh, George Steinbrenner bought the Yankees for $9.3 million. And he said, I wanted to let you know from all the DHs that I've spoken to, I love the DH. I think it's great, not just because of money, because he made a lot of money in San Francisco. He said, you kept a lot of older guys that still could hit in the game of baseball. And he thanked me. I said, okay, so we could shake hands in. I shook his hand. I said, the money that you make on interest for one month, you could send it to me. And that is compensation for the $70 million that I made for you. Because we made like $6 a day. He laughed and everything like that. Did he ever send you that percentage? No. I'm still, when I go to Yankee Stadium, I still see a lot of guys, a lot of uh, 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 the people in the payroll department. I said, you still owe me uh, for meal money. Like they, they always laugh at me. You know, let me tell you something. We didn't make the money. And you've been up there in the suites and you see the older guys and we're still very close. Baseball is changing an awful lot. We used to go to, to the games with 
players. We used to go out to dinner when we uh, made road trips. You know, these guys, it's, it's, it's a business now to these guys. These guys got their agents. They got their personal trainers. They got chiropractors. They got all their financial people working for them. You know, I mean, you know, they go, go through all the computer. We never had all that stuff. You know, we played baseball like at the double day started the game of baseball. We saw the ball. We swung a hit. We ran their bases. The pitchers wanted to pitch seven to eight to nine innings. They made an incentive if they pitched a whole game. They made money if they saved a game. It's none of that anymore. You know, they want to come out after four or five innings and they want to sit down. They're through. They're not going to pitch anymore for four days. But baseball was the greatest sport in the whole world. Hitting the baseball is the number one thing in any sport to do. Hitting a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, breaking pitch, slider, forkball. If you become successful at it, you achieved your goal. I did, and, and it's been fun. Ron, the, the bat you used is in Cooperstown Hall of Fame, obviously, um, from that game, and the game in 1973. Have you been back to see it, and what emotions does it evoke if you look at it? Oh, I look at it all the time because I have a camp. It's a New Jersey Y camp up in New Jersey. It's the largest Jewish sleepaway camp in the country. We have close to 6,000 kids. I've been going up there for almost 18 years straight. And we usually take a trip to Yankee Stadium. It's around about 50, 60 kids I take up there. And we sit down. They take great care of us. They love it. Okay. Then I take them on the trip, and usually in August, to Cooperstown. First thing they do is they take it to my bat. And they said, this is Ron Bloomberg's uh, first DH baseball bat. And they all go nuts. They go all crazy. And I never thought it was going to be in existence that long. I thought they were going to use it for firewood eventually. I had no idea. But it's a major thing up there. Being Jewish, and I'm very proud to be Jewish, I became a role model for these kids. They look at the book that I wrote, Designated Hebrew, and I got another book that's coming out. It's the captain and me on and off the field about Thurman Munson coming out in April. That's an unbelievable book. It's going to be the best of the best. I'm telling you, it's with Thurman and I, what we did on and off the field. And we we're very, very close. It's just not baseball with stats. It's what we did, what we did during the offseason, what we did with uh, Frankie Valley and uh, Soupy Sales and Carlos Gambino, all these guys. You know, it was wonderful. The Temptations and the Four Tops and Jackie Wilson. You probably don't even remember these people. And the final part here is you're talking with your fans in this new social media world. So what has been the best thing uh, to come from that? Oh, yeah. I, I tell everybody it's a lot easier for me to hit Nolan Ryan rather than to go on the social media. I, I went on this Facebook, Joe Garrido and Lenny Cosberg. Those are the two people that have helped me put this thing together. They have got me Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I still don't know how to do it. They help me do it. I call up Lenny like every other day. I do the story. He, you know, types it out because I don't know how to type good. I still got my flip phone. And to be able to reach out in this element that, you know, with the virus, with 42 million people out of work, people are struggling, people are hurting, people are in their house, people are going nuts. And I understand that. And I see that. I've never been through this. Of course, they've never been through this. To give them something back to give them something to enjoy, give them something about baseball. You know, I've got close to 20,000 people that follow me. And this is over a five-month period. And everybody said, God, that's unbelievable. Majority of the people that I have given back to these people 
that I made these people so happy, made these people think about baseball. And even if they didn't know me, and most majority of them did because they're Yankee fans or they're baseball fans, and they all write, thank you very much in this tough time. I love you, da, 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 like that. That's the greatest feeling in the whole world when people come to you and people write about you nice things. And this is the greatest thing to be able to talk to fans, not just my fan, but baseball fans, and to give back to something that I want to give back to all these uh, baseball fans and all these people out there. Well, Ron, thanks for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. Danielle, you, you're the best. And let me tell you something. You're going to do real well uh, doing what you're doing now. You, you know, you're very personable. You're very professional. You know the game. And I'm so proud of you. Yankee fans, baseball fans, I love you. And if you want to follow Ron on Facebook, you just type in Ron Blumberg right there. One, oh, not two. You guys know that. And then on Twitter, at Ron Blumberg, one. And at Instagram, at Blumberg12DH. So you guys want to make a uh, case for and against the, the DH and the NL after hearing from the first DH in Major League Baseball. Then uh, give me a call, 877-337-6666 if you want to get aboard on that. We'll do four and against possibly after the break. If you want to, we'll do four and against the DH and the NL. And he made some great points. And I think I've got some more to add. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on The Fan. Hi, this is Bob Poppin. We've got a day of NFL action today for you. We get started right after Mark Malusis and David Deal's Football Sunday show with Giants game day at 1130, followed by Big Blue and the Cincinnati Bengals at 1. Then later on, it's the Chiefs and Bucks featuring Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, followed by the Bears and Packers to wrap it all up. So make sure you stay right here on your flagship station for the Giants and NFL football. The Fan, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. DJ Pat Boyle's got some Alesso for you on this early, early Sunday morning, week 12 NFL action. I'm Danielle McCartan with you here on The Fan until 6 a.m. So we got about another hour and 20 minutes here, you guys. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Ron Blumberg. He's a great guy. And I got a tweet. I got to read this tweet from Billy uh, Olson, I guess. Olson at Olson49. He says, I like how Blumberg brought up that pitcher's hitting isn't fun. He should be reminded it's awesome when it's Bartolo hitting that bomb. I gave him the face palm emoji back. Oh, Bartolo Colon. Did you hear? He's trying to make a Mets comeback. Stop it. Stop it. But before we get into that, during that quick little turnover, I ran to the microwave and I brought two separate containers of, of, of mom's lasagna. One for me, one for Pat. And Pat, what do the judges say? Perfecto. <laughs> right? Your mom's, you know, the Italian, you're the Italian teacher. No, no, it was incredible. Uh, 10 out of 10, if your mom's listening, Mrs. McCartan, tremendous job. Um, feel free to make some every Sunday, for me at least, um, if not your daughter. Yeah. But no, yeah, good 10 out of that. 10. Very, very, very good. Look at that, mom. I don't know if you're listening. You might be. But uh, listen, Pat, we only get it once or twice a year if we're lucky on holidays. So that's, uh, that's a lot. I got, I got some pull. I don't know. I think I might be able to swear. Let's see. Let's see. I'll get back to you on that. I'll replay this. What is it? 442. I'll replay it for her if she's not up. Uh, but there you go. There's there's the taste test. I, I talk about how good mom's lasagna is all the time. And you guys were asking about it. So I brought one for Pat so he could try it and tell you what he thinks. 
So Bartolo Colon, he's trying to make a comeback to the Mets. Stop it, everybody. Stop it, please. Hector Gomez, who's a reporter from the Dominican Republic, he tweeted a video Wednesday. And he tweeted a different video again late Thursday night. 47-year-old Colon pitching off a mound. He's wearing a Mets t-shirt. It's like, the t-shirt might as well have just said, hire me, please, Steve Cohen. Hector Gomez says, Bartolo Colon wants to play one more year in the MLB and retire with the Mets and tagged the Mets' official Twitter account and Steve Cohen's account. Neither, as far as I'm aware, responded. You can retire with the Mets, right? You, you could do it. You could just say, I, I want to retire a Met. You could just say that, can't you? And for those of you who think this is a good idea, he hasn't pitched in a Major League Baseball game since 2018 with the Texas Rangers. He's 44-34 and 34 with a 483 ERA. Attention, Mets fans. You aren't shopping in bargain bins anymore. Stop it. Invite the guy to your old-timers day. Forget about it. That's it. Let him pitch there. That's, that's how when he can retire a Met. Old-timers day. But this whole thing with Bartolo Colon, hire me. Forget about it. It's done. That ship has sailed. Back to your calls, 877-337-6666. Let's go. Mike, West Palm Beach. What's up this week, Mike? Good morning, Danielle. How are you? Good. I just took the last bite of uh, the muffin. Oh, so good. 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 We're good. <laughs> you know, I was just uh, uh, talking to Pat Goodman, Pat, behind the glass. Yeah. Um, you know, great interview with Ron Bloomberg. Thank you. And uh, I'm a longtime Mets fan. Uh, my dad took me to the Polo Grounds in 62. I was eight years old. And I went to some classic games. You know, uh, it's just a matter of time before the DH. Uh, I didn't like the DH. <clears throat> I'm a traditionalist, but I think it's a matter of time, and it could happen this season. Who knows? But, you know, I- I'm all for it because it extends uh, players' careers, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, your interviews, even last week with John Franco and the interviews that you've had, um, yeah, I'm a big St. John's fan. Uh, I still call them the Red Men, political correctness. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I tuned into your show early. I woke up, and... I'm looking at yesterday's post, Danielle, and it got a call about, oh, my uncle's Rocky Graziano and this and that. He was against this girl, Sarah Fuller of Vanderbilt. Yep. I'm looking at the back of her helmet, and the back of her helmet says, play like a girl. (laughs) Wow. That's, you know, that's good stuff. That's an organization. Um, You know that's a whole organization? I know it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah, people might not, but, you know, if they weren't watching the broadcast. Yeah, it's it's a... Whole organization to get you know girls involved in sports, so good good for her. Yeah, good for her, and it's a great um, the conversation uh, you had um, a couple of weeks ago with the with the young lady who's now the GM for the Marlins, and it's uh, and like Ron said, uh, compliments to you. You're going places, like I said last week. You're, you're going places with, with your resume, and what you touched upon also. My daughter will be 31. She's a teacher also. Mm-hmm. She played some fast pitch softball back in the day. I have respect for anyone. My dad, rest his soul, 52 years with supermarkets, manager, district manager. Yeah. So we have to acknowledge the people who are working as hard as they can and still are with this COVID. And we don't know. Uh, we just don't know what's going to develop. But um, um, it's, it's a nice release that we listen and watch our sports because that's, that's part of our life. You know, yeah. um, and I'll tell you, Danielle, I don't know what Ralphie's up to. He's been uh, in the shadows. I hope everything's good. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, my buddy. Um, and what else? Um, 
Yeah. So you you got the bases covered. You still uh, uh, got got the, the the savvy. You give everyone a fair shake on the radio. I try, with, except with for the guy that tried going to political. I got a tweet that, that that told me that you shouldn't have cut him off. Listen, this is as everybody knows, this is a no politics zone on this That's show. Right. That's it. It's sports. You know, that's right. And there was a guy a couple of years ago, and he's, you know, he's talking about this, he's whining about that. And I call up and said, hey, my man, why don't you get your own show on the Internet? <laughs> yeah, get your own show on the Internet, and, and you, could, you could wax poetic on any subject you want. Yeah. Because, you know. But all right, Daniel, um, I always try to get to my point. You got other people on deck, and I always finish with this, as you know, okay? You have the presence of a great announcer, and you got serious mojo behind a microphone. What can I say? <laughs> Mike, I love it. I'll talk to you next <laughs> week, Mike. Thanks for the call. All right, Danielle. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. All the best. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, you guys that listen to my show, you guys know that this is a, a zero... I feel like I have to address this again. This is a zero politics zone here. If you want to talk politics, you go ahead and you call up some other host on some other station or some other time slot... I'm not entertaining that here. And you guys know that I don't hang up on people. I really don't. I try my best not to. You know, the other guy before, he had two minutes. We had two minutes before we went to the break. I, I understand that part. But I never really hang up on anybody except when you cross into politics. Presidents, vice presidents, all that. Mayors, they have no place on my show except for when we talked about de Blasio and how he could potentially block the, the Mets um, sale to Steve Cohen. That was important. That was sports related. I, I don't know what to tell you. But anyway, it's football Sunday, everybody. We've got Giants and Jets on deck. We haven't talked yet about them. I'd like to get into a little bit of Giants and Jets, if you don't mind. Please. We've got some major storylines coming out of the Giant game, which, of course, is Joe Burrow. It will not be playing tomorrow or later today or the rest of the season, possibly not even the season after that. We'll see. Tours ACL is MCL. And he, apparently, according to Sports Illustrated, he suffered some damage to his meniscus and PCL, too. Um, also in Sports Illustrated, you saw that there is major, major, major um, problems. There are major problems in the in the locker room. Guys trying to force trades. Second-year head coach Zach Taylor has, has lost all control. And as far as the Jets... Yeah, I'm fully on board with the uh, the full tankathon. I, I am. Sam Darnold will start. That's the news. That's the main storyline for the Jet game. Sam Darnold will start. He's missed the past two games, which spans actually three weeks because of the bye, with a sprained AC joint, his throwing shoulder. This is the right move. Um, it'll be the first time that the Jets and the rest of the league will get to see Darnold with his full fleet of wide receivers for the first time all season, which is Perryman, Crowder, Mims. And this start could be seen in two different lights. A, Darnold is trying out for a new team over these next couple weeks. Or B, Darnold is trying to be the Jets quarterback, quarterback of the future. And I ask you, my, my WFAN loyal listeners, which is he to you? Trying out for another team? Trying out to be the Jets quarterback of the future. Let's go to the phones, 877-337-6666. James in Monroe. James, what's up this week, James? Good morning. How, How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. And I see you were just going to talk about the Giants and Jets, and I was just calling in on that. that perfect timing. I know. It's always perfect timing. Anyway, uh, I wanted to talk about the Jets first. Yeah. First, yeah. Uh, I'd like to talk about Donnell. Um, I think that, you know what? 
he's gonna he's gonna give it a real good try today to win this game, and I don't know why. But I know they're gonna cover the spread again, like I told you last week. Mm-hmm. But I I really have a feeling that he's gonna upset the apple cart today, man. I don't know. I have this feeling, but and I don't he, I don't particularly like him either. He's he's got yeah. a lot of motivation to do so, right? Because as far as oh, we're concerned, his draft stock is real down. I mean, his trade stock, whatever, it's it's down. He's going to try and build himself up to show that he could be a quarterback on an NFL team. I just don't think, unfortunately for him, that it's going to be with the Jets. And that, another thing about that, though, too, also is, you know, I know he hears the whispers about the quarterback situation. You of know, course he does. No, you know, so there's another point that he might want to just put a little sleeper on that, you know? Yep. Uh, as far as the Giants go, you know, Giants are in a great position again this week because of that quarterback going down. Mm-hmm. Had that quarterback not gone down, you know, it could have been a swinger. But uh, the fact that this quarterback is not quarterbacking for them makes them a lot better to win this game. And you know what? The Giants, with a little luck, I'm telling you, I, I looked at that Dallas game the other day, and I, I tell you, I would have fired that coach right after that game, and there ain't nothing you can tell me that would ever stop me from firing that guy for what he did on the field with those two uh, – Four down plays on their side of the field. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> I, know. I don't know. I know. I know. <laughs> but anyway, to also say thank you. I wanted to say hello to you. I haven't spoken to you since last weekend. Yep. I hope yep. you had a great Thanksgiving and everything else. Well, you too, Mike. Uh, Mike, I'm sorry. I'm reading something. <laughs> James, I'm, uh, thank you. You too. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you. I was looking at. I looked up and it was James and Monroe, and they kind of just came out as Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's a little, it's a little, I didn't sleep before the show tonight. I'm sorry, James. And I know you call every week and we talked on, what is it? Facebook, I think, um, after the show last week. But anyway, uh, yeah. So, um, yes. Uh, what do you want to go? Jets or Giants? Let's go. Let's go. I don't know. What, what should we do? Let's go Jets because Tua Togavailoa will also not start. Sam Darnold, see the storyline is Sam Darnold's in. Togavailoa is not. It's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick in the quarterback for the Dolphins. Uh, I just looked. I, I got no Jets or no Giants on, on hold here, so um, I'll pick. Jets it is. Fitzpatrick was 3-3 three and three this season so far, and apparently Tua jammed his thumb on his throwing hand on a helmet on Wednesday's practice. Limited all week. But originally, Brian Flores said it, he wasn't too concerned about it. But now, Tua is out this week. So which is it? Injury or poor play? Because I only ask because last week, in Miami's second possession of the fourth quarter, Fitzpatrick was put in, and they were losing by 10 points with 10 minutes and 44 seconds to play. In the postgame, Florence, Flores said, Tua wasn't injured. We felt it was the best move at that point in the game. We had to get into two-minute mode, and we just felt like Fitzpatrick gave us the best chance to win the game. Hmm. I'm wondering if Fitzpatrick gives them the best chance to win the game versus the New York Jets. Later today, 1 p.m. CBS. By the way, the both games are at 1 o'clock again. I hate that. I hate when they put the both games at 1 o'clock. Jets are on CBS. Giants are on Fox. The Jets are all week. I check usually on Tuesday and then again on Saturday. They were still six-and-a-half-point underdogs. The Giants, I checked both Tuesday and Saturday. They are still five-and-a-half-point favorites. Favorites! The Giants are... the, The only other game the Giants were favored in this year was the first game... At Washington, or, or versus Washington. It was a, a two-point favorite. There you go. I, I, you know, here's the thing here. 
an interesting quote from Adam Guru this week was that he and offensive coordinator Loggins can help Darnold by calling plays designed to protect his shoulder. Guru responded, we can avoid some of these types of things, but at the same time, we have to let him play like he's accustomed to playing. I have a couple questions. One, who's actually calling the plays? Is it Gase? Is it Loggins? Why can't this be decided once and for all? And two, even the mere mention of protecting him and his shoulder makes me think this game plan will be run heavy, dink and dunk. Yeah, a shot or two down the field to Mims, I'm sure. But the Jets actually run the ball fairly well. You can't run the ball if you're consistently down in the game. You just can't do it. Time doesn't allow for it. The big question for you Jets fans is, do you want them to win? And as far as the Dolphins, how they can win this game, I mean, Ryan, Fitzpat- Ryan Fitzpatrick has been there, done this before. He's trying He's trying to keep this team in the playoff hunt because, believe it or not, they are. And Fitzpatrick, if you're a Jet fan, you know he's good at that. There will be three wildcard teams this year. Miami is one game out of that seventh seed. And that spot currently belongs to the Las Vegas Raiders at 6-4. and four. And the Raiders are still on the Dolphins' schedule for this season. So, the Jets allowed Chargers rookie Justin Herbert to literally have the best game of his life last week. Three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 366 yards. My prediction for the Jets. The Jets are going to allow... No, the Jets allow the third highest quarterback rating in the entire league. Ryan Fitzpatrick will have his way with and he will outsmart the Jets' defense. Final score prediction. Dolphins, 35. Jets, 17. Dolphins, 35. Jets, 17. You heard it here. You heard it here. As far as the Giant game, take this right to the top. All right, Giant game. Giants, simple. They're key to victory. They are... Going against a quarterback in Brandon Allen who joined the Bengals in August. He was on the practice squad up until, like, what was it, five days ago? He was a sixth-round draft pick and one and two and and three career stars versus the Broncos. Think about it. Why isn't Joe Burrow playing? Because he's hurt. Because the Cincinnati Bengals took the old Colts model. Old, I don't mean old, I mean a couple years ago. Took the old Colts model of how to design an offensive line in front of a coveted draft pick. Both Andrew Luck and Joe Burrow ended up injured. The Bengals have allowed 36 sacks all season. 31st in the league. The only team worse is the Eagles. And Brandon Allen in those three starts for the Broncos last season, man, he's in trouble. He was sacked nine times then. Unlucky for him, the Giants are the fifth best in quarterback hits in the league. They're tied for 11th in sacks. This This is the key. This is the matchup. Xavier McKinney, Kevin brought it up. Kevin and Cannon brought it up before. Xavier McKinney, he's back. He's making his debut. Fractured his foot earlier in the season. And he's going to be paired with Logan Ryan. That's going to be a, a I would lo- that's what I'm going to be focusing in and watching, actually, tomorrow, mostly. And for the Bengals to win, what, what can they do? Force Daniel Jones to beat him with his arm. The guy has eight touchdowns and nine interceptions on the season. So he's obviously susceptible to be being baited to make bad decisions. You know the kind. You've seen it. He's flinging the ball as he's going down. That kind. If the Bengals figure out a way to minimize the Giants' rushing attack, they'll be in good shape. Not going to be easy since they're ranked 31st against stopping the run this year. 
Daniel Jones seems to break off a big run once a game. He averages 7.8 yards per catch and just about 38 yards a game. And the running back by committee has been working with Gallman and Morris. But Daniel Jones still leads the team in rushing yards. 384 to Gallman's 275. And even if you, because I did it, even if you extrapolate out Gallman's total as if he was the starter in weeks one and two, Daniel Jones still leads the team in rushing yards. So, over the past three weeks, it's up 34 yards per game than this time last year. Nothing to sneeze at. Prediction. The Giants have been playing better. They're trending in the right direction. But let me once again remind you of the NFC East standings. The Giants could make a big jump with a win versus the Bengals and if the Eagles lose to the Seahawks. Final score prediction here. Giants 21 Welcome back, everybody, in the final hour here of McCartan After Midnight, or shall we say McCartan in the Morning. I'm Danielle McCartan, with you until 6 a.m. when uh, it's Bob Salter that comes your way then. We've got Pat Boyle behind the glass. He's doing a great job tonight. DJ Pat, phone answerer Pat. Uh, He's got some information coming through over here. And we have uh, covered many topics tonight. Many, many topics. We're talking week 12 NFL football. I just gave you my Jets and, and Giants picks. Uh, we're talking about what else? Yankees and, and what kind of moves they should be making. Who is the right catcher for really both the Yankees and the Mets? Uh, spoiler alert, it's really not JT Real Muto in my opinion here. It's 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 also not Yadier Molina just because of, of the mileage put on his body at the most demanding position in, in, in all of baseball. Bartolo Colon making a comeback. Stop it. Talked about DJ LeMayhew. My, my suggestion for the Yankees on how to fix uh, a few things, one being they're, they're too right-handed in, in their lineup. I suggested uh, bringing in DJ, uh, DJ, DD Gregorius. He is a free agent at, at season's end, so right now he's a free agent. I think he would um, be part of that mentality at the plate shift as more of like a um, a hitter that sprays the ball all over the field with little pop. He's got some a lot of familiarity at shortstop, especially at Yankee Stadium. Um, I think he'd be the guy. I think, I think the Yankees should bring him back. Move Torres over to, to second base. We're talking realistically speaking here. We're not playing fantasy baseball, everybody. Realistically speaking, uh, my Yankee infield would look like LeMahieu at first, Torres at second, Gregorius at short, and I'd probably go Urshela at third base. That's what I would do. Unfortunately, Gary Sanchez is here to stay. If you're a Yankee fan, he is he is here to stay. Uh, until his trade value goes up, Gary Sanchez will be wearing pinstripes uh, for the foreseeable future. And uh, yeah, just just a lot of other stuff, you guys. We, we got to. Uh, how about the case for and against the DH, the DH in in the National League moving forward? We had Ron Blumberg on with us a little while ago, about almost an hour ago, four twenty in the morning. If you want to go back and listen, not yet though. I'd like you to finish out the show. And of course, the Tyson Jones Jr. fight. Um, Nate Robinson. I'm sure it's almost got. Last I checked, two million views uh, on Twitter. Nate Robinson got absolutely knocked out cold. Still on his feet. He uh, put a post on Instagram saying that he is okay. And I asked you guys on Twitter, 
did you guys pay the $50 to see the Tyson uh, Jones fight? 87% of you guys said, no, you didn't. So, uh, and we also talked about Sarah Fuller. Sarah Fuller making history. And she kicked off the squib kick, the planned squib kick in the Vanderbilt game today. All right, let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Pat in the Bronx. You're on the fan, Pat. Hello, Danielle. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks for keeping me company. It's a good show. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned Sarah Fuller. So I, a caller earlier, much earlier, was trying to draw you into a debate about whether a female could tackle a man coming down the yes. sidelines at yeah. the last First line. First caller of, of the night. I think he was... He was trying to pick a fight, and, and it was his argument, not yours. Yeah. And, and the thing is, why not? I mean, I saw Gary Upremian play when I was younger. That man could not tackle anybody. <laughs> and he attempted to throw a pass, a very famous play, where he had three linemen coming towards him. So why not? An athletic female certainly can tackle. That's the last line of defense. And she's 6'2". I think everybody doesn't know that. She's 6'2". The, the guy admitted he didn't even watch the game. That, that, Pat, that too. He didn't even watch the game. Right. Have you ever seen a movie called Draft Day, Danielle? No, I haven't. With Kevin Costner as uh, a GM of a football team? No, I have not. Right. It's a a classic story because what happens is, you know, he, he mortgages everything to get the first pick. And then he surprises everybody with a different first pick. But what I'm thinking for the Jets is that we haven't given Donald really the weapons and the line that he needs to work. I mean, when he was playing a lot, the, a lot of the receivers were down this right. year and even last year. Mm-hmm. I think we should give Donald a chance and sell that pick for two or three first and second round picks. We have a lot of holes to fill. I know Trevor Lawrence is sexy, but, you know, I think, I think we should stick with Donald. You know, Pat, I, I'm with you, and thanks for the call there, Pat. I, I, was, I was totally with you on that. I was. I was like, listen, we have so many, the Jets have so many holes to plug. Um, and there was an analogy. Um, one of the callers brought up an analogy a couple weeks ago, and he said, listen, the Jets have, imagine a boat. And I forget who it was. I'm sorry if this was you listening. You want to give me a call back and let me know it was you. But if the Jets are a boat and they have so many holes in the boat, why would you just plug up one with Trevor Lawrence selection, right? You still have other holes in the boat. You're still going down. I brought that up to a guy at work. And he was like, Danielle, think about it. What, all of the holes are not equal size. He said the biggest hole at this point is the quarterback in, in your boat. So to plug up the – I would plug up the biggest hole first and bring in a Trevor Lawrence. And that kind of sort of started my, my thought process of like, wait a second, maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. The Jets have a ton of picks. They, they have 18 picks over the next two drafts, I believe it is. They've got the second highest cap space in the league moving forward. Isn't this a perfect time to hit the reset button on the New York Jets with a brand new coach moving forward? The, the GM could pick the quarterback that he wants, and it's going to be Lawrence, and you can build a team around him that way. I have warmed up to the idea, and now not only have I warmed up to it, I feel like it's it's the only route to go. Because when you look at it, and I mentioned a couple weeks ago, 
um, when I broke this down really in depth, that Sam Darnold, I, I was in on Sam Darnold as being the quarterback of the Jets, even through this season, until he was out for yet another injury. He missed more time. I was in on him until then. So then what what happens? He's okay. He's your quarterback moving forward. I think the kid is talented. I think he's shown flashes. Uh, He's he's a dual threat. I mean, all of that, right? But then guess what? You got to pay him. And then what is he worth? Is he worth in the hundred million dollar range? I mean, is that is that it? You just don't know. So I think you hit the reset button on it. You give him a chance to play somewhere else. And he, like I said, like I say every week, the guy is going to be comeback player of the year or or up there in that conversation because, unfortunately for him, he had a real bad head coach that hindered his 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 ability to make it here in New York. From the get go, from the jump, the kid had no chance with Adam Guru as his coach, and that's it. And I know I say it, but that's it. It's as simple as that. I think if, if forget the offensive line, forget the wide receivers, if he had a better coach, a better play caller, a better play design, better game plan coming into each game each week, he wouldn't be seeing ghosts. He wouldn't be throwing an interception on his first NFL pass, a pick six, I think it was, all the way down the field. He's, he's, not, he's clearly not prepared, and he hasn't learned anything in the three years that he's been here. That's the scary part. Mentally, his mental game is not three years advanced into his NFL career. And that you play solely on the, head, on the on the shoulders of the head coach. Sam and Hackettack, you're on the fan. Hi, Danielle. You do a great job. And Thanks, Sam. Just a side note, I wish you were on... Every like every overnight, but that's another that's another conversation. Oh, thanks. My my take on Sarah Fuller, okay, yeah. uh-huh. and I know some people find this objectionable, but this is how I feel. I think the coach was covering for her when he said it was a set up squib kick. That was obviously a situation where you wanted to kick the ball out of the end zone, which ninety nine percent of college kickers have the ability to do. I think it Wait, came off. Sam, let me it just, was or wasn't, Sam, I don't know. Sam, one second. Came off. Go ahead. Did you see the kick? Did, did you watch it live? I watched the segment on ESPN. Okay. I didn't see the game. Okay. I saw the segment. Okay. Because I'm just asking because the guy that called up earlier, he said he didn't even watch the game. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I watched the segment. Okay. Again, jitters, whatever you want to call it. I don't know. You know, she's a soccer player. She's a, an all-SEC goalie. So obviously she has ability. Mm-hmm. Here's my thought. This coach, from what I read on the internet, is going to be fired at the end of the season. It's a failed program. I think they lost forty-one nothing. Yeah, it was bad. Not that's you know. I mean, they didn't get into position to make kick a field goal. Let's be honest. Came off as it came off as a cheap publicity stunt, and I've always been. I've been watching football since I'm seven years old. You know, I'm sixty-three. I think I know the game a little bit. Here's my thought. I think spots should be earned, not just handed out. There were probably many people that could have done the same thing she did. It was they got the cheap publicity they wanted, and I say cheap publicity because that's not how you want to do it. If I see a female kicker, I want to see a female kicker there because she's the best option they have, and I do not believe that's what the case was here. They can say that I don't believe it, and you know I don't think I'm alone. I mean, you're totally entitled to it. Um, but in that ESPN piece or anywhere that you read, did you did you also see that all of the Vanderbilt kids are home for uh, for break and 
the soccer team was she was packing up to go home on Monday and Tuesday she right. was at practice. So there was there weren't many options yeah. because of this COVID thing that happened with that team. I could see how you could I, listen. I could see how you could think it, it it is that. However, you know, I just think in the, in this society, I think that you know when you look at Twitter and you see all the little girls watching watching the, the sport and watching her be a part of it, even if it was for one one kick. I think there's a mm-hmm. bigger narrative that needs to be written here, and I don't think it is that it was a publicity stunt. I don't okay. think so. If I had a little girl, I would feel much better if she was watching the United States soccer team and saw the best team in the world and the fact that they're way better than the boys. Oh, yeah. And that's where I would want her head. I'd want her to be like, I want to be like her. I want to be like her. Yeah. Um, and maybe because, maybe I'm old-fashioned, okay? But I think... In that sense, it's like realism has to come into this thing. And realistically, I don't see the future there. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, like I said, I'm not a kid. Maybe I'm wrong. But um, there's enough, there's so many great female athletes out there in sports that they have made a major, major impact, like soccer, like tennis, like golf. Basketball. That's where I'd rather, if I had a granddaughter and she was like telling me where she, who her hero was, and I want to see a poster on her bedroom wall. That's what I, I'd rather see. Uh, Serena Williams. Well, Sam, thanks for calling. We got to run. I'm sorry to cut you off, but we have to run to a break here, really quickly. But uh, what I'll say really quickly is, you got to start somewhere. You know, you got to start somewhere. Girls playing hockey now. They have a U.S. Women's National Team. You know, for hockey, so you have to start somewhere. And I think that the 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 poignant thing on this is that the fact that. You've seen women play soccer. You've seen the WNBA. You've seen Serena Williams. You've never seen, or you haven't, or rarely have ever seen a, a, a woman wearing a football uniform. And for that, I say you have to start somewhere. More calls after the break, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan with you here on The Fan until 6 a.m. Hey, what's going on? It's the Moose. Coming up Monday after Boomer and Geo at 10 a.m. It's Moose and Maggie right here on The Fan. And Maggie, after we all got fat, enjoyed Thanksgiving, the holiday weekend, we're back to talk a little Giants football as Carl Banks will join us. Yeah, the Jets as well and everything on the Week 12 slate. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Radio.com. Wake up, everybody. It's 522 in the morning. It's a beautiful or will be a beautiful Sunday here in New York City. We've got the Jets on at 1 o'clock. The Giants are also on at 1 o'clock. Week 12 action. I hate when they do the two 1 o'clock games, but I guess that's what you get when your teams aren't aren't really that good. And it's, it's amazing to me how only a few wins sort of kind of separate each team. Yet, in my mind, the Giants emoji stock is, is pointing upwards, and, and the Jets is just through the floor, and it's only separated by a, by a certain number of wins. I think that's pretty amazing. I got a tweet there in a break. The, the, the at handle is at allrise99. He says, Coach McCartan, what a jerk this guy is. I don't think I'm alone. What the heck does this guy know about Vandy football? Go to back to bed, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion, right? And, and as long as it's a well-thought-out, well-formulated opinion, we can agree to disagree. But... He did bring up a point with that, that that line is, I don't think I'm alone. Danny Cannell, whose Giants jersey that I do have, tweeted, so was that a pooch kick or what? So I had to actually delete the, re- the draft of response that I had ready to send to him. Instead, I just clicked unfollow. 
I don't need that negativity negativity on my timeline. Danny Cano was that guy, and and so was that caller. But you know what? Not, now that he's off the phone, I'm not going to trash him. He had a, he 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 stated his opinion. He seemed like he knew most, if not all, of the facts. Most of them, at least. Publicity, though, with minimal fans in the stands, a COVID-ravaged university, and an 0-7 football team. The soccer team was the only one that were left because they made it so far in the SEC tournament. There weren't many other options. So let's just appreciate that moment for what it was. Hopefully the first of many. And we're just going to move on. The coach said he would have her back next next week if, if the situation is the same. She said she would come back next week if, if the situation was the same. And that's Sarah Fuller, place kicker, or today anyway, because um, there was an emergency situation at Vanderbilt University. So, what, let's see, what can we do? What is, I hear some takeaways from, from the Jets' loss to the Chargers last week, since this is a football Sunday, right? The Jets are the first and only team mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. You guys know that, right? That marks 10 straight seasons of non-playoff football. Second longest drought in team history. Okay? Like I said, the Jets, their stock is through the basement. You got Frank Gore. Oh, poor Frank Gore. He says... You don't want to go 0-16, especially if this might be my last year. I can't go out like that, you know? Well, Frank or Jets fans do know. And so do fans of the 2008 Lions and the 2017 Browns. 0-16 is a real possibility. And in fact, actually, it would be best-case scenario for Jets fans. Brian Costello tweeted that during the game last Sunday, which I thought was amazing. Adam Gase said he did not take over play calling. Oh, this is after the game. Sorry. Adam Gase did not take over play calling. He said he was sending in plays to Flacco, but Dowell was calling them. (laughs) What? (laughs) So who's calling the plays? Oh, I I just, sometimes, I don't even know why I put myself through this, watching this Adam, Adam Gase after, I don't know why I do it. He says, these guys work hard. They try to improve upon the week before. These guys are trying to find a way to win a game. If only their coach was better. <laughs> uh, I can't. I, I just I, I can't. About Sam being able to be fairly evaluated from this point forward, I do think there are some good pieces around him that, that we can get a good evaluation of improvement. Let me fix that for you so that other teams can get a good evaluation of improvement. And my fi- personal favorite, Adam Guru line, it just didn't work out. I'm just, it just didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what's going to work out for the Jets? Getting the number one overall pick, thanks to you. So uh, we also talked about in the open of of things that the teams are, should be thankful for. And the one thing I said that the Jets fans or the Jets should be thankful for, and I know it killed me to say it, but for Adam Gase, because without Adam Gase making sure that they don't win a game moving forward, the Jets would be uh, the same old Jets in, in, in limbo. And I know the season isn't over yet. And I had a caller earlier this morning said, you know, I don't know you know, who to root for. And, you know, the Jets win a game. I'll tell you who to root for. You root for the Jacksonville Jaguars at that point. If the Jets somehow pull out a win versus Miami 
or even versus the Raiders, which I think would be the best two options, or even the, the I think they pay the, play the Patriots the last game of the season. If they somehow pull out a win, you better be praying for the Jacksonville Jaguars to do the same. Back to your calls, 877-337-6666 is the phone number. Ray in Connecticut, you're on the fan. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good, Ray. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, listen, um, I I agree with you um, that uh, the caller a couple of callers ago was out of step, but let's just take his premise at face value. Let's say that it was just a publicity stunt. How is a six-year-old girl or a tw- an eight-year-old girl or a twelve-year-old girl who watches that? She's not going to take that away from what happened. She's going to sit there and say, "I can do that." Yeah, and that's kind of the point I was trying to make. Because you, if you looked, if you combed through Twitter as the game was happening, you saw that on Twitter. You you saw images and videos of girls saying exactly that, Ray. And 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 the reality of it is, is that that's that's not twenty four twenty four hours out. What happens, you know, sixteen years later? Yep. I have to think there are a lot there, there, that that's going to be a lot of girls. Oh, Ray, I think did you drop? Ray, are you there? No, I'm I'm here. No, I'm sorry. I, I just think. I just think that that, that, it, that it is it is truly significant. Yeah, I, and I, I, I agree. And, with and, you. and if, if, if and that's saying the guy's right, and I don't think that the guy is right. Yeah. But even if he's right, yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That's that's a positive thing. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I have to think that it that it's unquestionable that it had to be a remarkably positive thing for the woman who was doing it. Hmm. I don't. I. I'm, I'm, I. Maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> I mean, maybe I think that makes uh, me and you both, Ray. And <laughs> thanks for the call there. You bet. I. I think too, and like I said, when the guy hung up, I, you know, when you got to start somewhere, right? For these little girls are looking at an NFL or NFL a collegiate football team with one girl wearing a uniform. Listen, it started. How do you think ho- women in hockey got started? One girl put on a uniform and played with the boys. I was that girl that played with baseball with the voice up through I was a freshman in high school. Well, up until I was a freshman in high school. I, I referenced briefly earlier in the program, Misha Tate. Guess what? Misha Tate got her start by walking on to her high school wrestling team. Uh, guess what? There wasn't a girls league. It was a boys league. She wrestled boys. And that's how she got her start. She told me that. And I, I texted her just to see if she was she was up. Let me just ch- check really quickly because I, I wanted to maybe get her to call in really quick, but she uh, she hasn't read it yet, and I sent it at 2.48 this morning. So maybe next week. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's just – for me, you, you just you have to start somewhere. There is no women's league of football, um, you know, uh, collegiate anyway, women's league, and, and you just got to start somewhere. And, and good for, for, for Sarah Fuller, good for that coach – good for the program, and good for little girls and and teenage girls even across the country. And good for the football coaches that are now thinking to their women's soccer team being like, hey, maybe I can maybe I can pluck one of these girls for, for a state run or something at high school level. I don't know. You never know. That's how it happened. Duffy and Tarrytown, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. I just woke up and uh, everybody's fired up. <laughs> I love it, right? Um, are, are you awake now? <laughs> no, no, yeah, <laughs> I'm okay with I'm okay with girls kicking footballs and stuff like that. I don't want to hog Molly named Molly, but um, I'm okay with girls playing football and 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 doing what they can. 
um, I just, like, I caddy for a living. I caddy at Wingfoot Country Club. Mm -hmm. And there's girls now that are doing that. And I'm cool with that as long as they could do their job. Right. I don't want to. That's all I'm pick saying. Up their, I'm not, I'm not carrying your bag. I'm not mm -hmm. doing, you do your job. Mm -hmm. You do you. And as long as they handle that, we're cool. That's how it goes. Duffy, I'm with you. I agree with you. hundred percent. And also while he was talking, I was thinking of this as he was talking, like do your job, right? I'm not picking up your slack. I know that's what you wanted to say. I'm not picking up your slack. Sure. I, I understand. I'm not expecting anybody to pick up my slack. I think about the arms, like the, like the army, the Navy. Air Force. It's all equal. Equal work. They can do it. They're all equal. Hmm? How's that? How's that for a, a point at 532 in the morning? Let's go to Alex in Rockaway. Alex, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Uh, great job, as always, driving to work here. Great points. Um, about the girl playing uh, college football yesterday. Thanks. Uh, to totally agree. Just seeing what you think about uh, today's NFL games is is this a typical 2007-2011 type Giants loss today where they <laughs> go in as a favorite, lose on the road? Um, or is it a new young team that's fired up? Yeah, I'll I think. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, it, thanks, Alex. When you guys say that, it always makes me giggle. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, uh, and I don't know if I can give this all its due diligence in, in the next two minutes or so, but I will try. Is this Basically, the question is, is this a trap game for the New York Giants? They are favored for the second time only this season. Um, I will point to obviously the obvious that, that Joe Burrow, uh, the injury, obviously he's not playing and he won't be playing the rest of the season and probably maybe not even next season. But besides the fact that, that obviously took the wind out of the sails for the Bengals. Now you're starting to see the fragmentation happening in, happening in this, in this locker room. The, the Bengals, according to some anonymous players, right, in the Sports Illustrated story, the Bengals have a serious culture problem in their locker room under second-year head coach Zach Taylor. He's got four wins in two years. Players are citing a poor locker room culture, stemming from awful communication. Carlos Dunlap forced a trade. John Ross tried to force a trade, saying in part, believe me, it's not football that I don't like. In the article... These, these 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 anonymous players say that offensive line coach Jim Turner and and this is from this is from Sports Illustrated. This is a reputable source. Jim Turner and Lou Anamuro or Anna Rumo, sorry, that's a defensive coordinator. They're unapproachable. They use abusive language, in which I will not and cannot re report here on the radio. The anonymous players say Anna Rumo often yells at one player for mistakes and chooses to ignore the mistakes of other players in his favor. And, and guess what? I've had that experience in my high school varsity ba basketball playing days. It created, I'll tell you something, it created resentment among the rest of the team and the coach's daughter and her friends on the team. Can you imagine what that situation in a professional lo football locker room where, where millions of dollars are involved? I, I know I can't. So uh, it's a long-winded answer to the question <clears throat> of, is this a typical trap game for the Giants? Despite the fact that that they're playing in Brandon Allen as the quarterback of the, of the other team, and, and all of this stuff is happening behind the scenes of the Bengals, I think the Giants are just, they're going to rise above. I do. I, I really think the Giants are going to rise above. I, and I had to score a prediction as being Giants 21, Bengals 10. And we can talk, obviously, more in-depth about this 
after the break because I do have more to talk about with this. Um, if you want to get aboard, 877-337-6666. Looking for Giants fans, looking for Jets fans, and anything else you want to talk about. I'm Danielle McCartan with you on The Fan till 6 a.m. Hey, Giants fans, Big Blue looks for their third win in a row when they hit the road to take on the Cincinnati Bengals today at 1 p.m. Hi, this is Bob Papa. We'll get you going at 1130 with Giants game day exclusively on your flagship station for the New York Giants, the fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. That's the Pat Boyle 5.40 a.m. Sunday morning special. I'm Danielle McCartan with you guys here on The Fan for another 20 minutes. This might be your last chance to get aboard on this football Sunday. Week 12 football Sunday. We got the Giants are still in it. The Giants should be thankful. We talked about what each team is thankful for. The Giants should be thankful that they're still actually, you know, in it. (laughs) The Giants with a win later today at 1 p.m., a few hours from now. The Giants would be four and seven, and the Washington football team is also four and seven at the top of the of the division. And the Giants obviously would would have the tiebreaker in that in that scenario. I got a tweet from from Dan at Furman GH ninety four. He says Danny Dimes to score a touchdown at plus three twenty five versus the worst rush D in the NFL. Very tempting. I said. Yes, do it. I will once I get home to New Jersey. And he said, you sold me on it after all those stats before. Hammering it. Great show. Thanks. There you go. I'm not really, I, I always give this. I, I am not responsible for the loss of any money. However, I do get 10% if you do win. That's the deal. Dan, that's the deal, man. Okay? Just so you know. Just so you're aware I have Venmo, I can set you up there. The Giants. Think about why Joe Burrow is not playing. Because he's hurt. Because the Cincinnati Bengals are doing their best impression of, of the Indianapolis Colts model of how to design an offensive line you know, from years ago. They figured it out now, the Colts, in front of a coveted draft pick. Both Luck and Burrow ended up injured, both of them. The Bengals have allowed 36 sacks all season. The only team worse was the Eagles. Brandon Allen... He's not doing himself any favors either. With the Broncos, he, he he had three starts for the Broncos last season. He was sacked nine times. And unlucky for him tomorrow, or later today, I should say, the Giants are the fifth best in quarterback hits in the league. And they're tied for 11th in sacks. If that wasn't enough, the Giants are also tied for seventh in takeaways on the season. So, yeah, you can look at this all you want as a trap game, but I'm, I'm telling you all the reasons why it's not going to be a trap game. The, 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 they have the 31st, not the worst, Dan, the, the second to worst run stoppage, the Bengals. The run stoppage, 31st in the league. The running back by committee has been working for the Giants, especially over the past, what, two, three weeks? Daniel Jones breaks off a big run once a game. I mean, I, I, I don't know why, but I always think back to the, the trip and fall which the Giants scored anyway, so it's not a huge deal. You can laugh about it. But, yeah, I think just the Giants have been playing better, trending in the right direction. And let me once again remind you of those NFC East percentages here. The Giants are playing for something. They The Giants have a 27% chance right now to win the division. That's according to 538. Good website. 
If they beat the Bengals, it jumps to 34%. If you factor in an Eagles loss to Seattle this week, which they are underdogs, the Giants' percentage to win the NFC East is, is 39%, which when you look at how the other percentages are affected, it's far and away the best odds to win the division. Again, week 12, November 29th, 2020. Got the Giants. My, my score prediction is Giants 21, Bengals 10. Ah, that's what I think. I don't know. And, and I am going to put some, my little, I have been on a losing streak, so I don't even know if I want to bet this anyway, but <laughs> um, we got we had a check-in from, also on Twitter, by the way, uh, just wanted to give a shout-out to, I can't find it right now. I, the handle is at Knicks are so bad. It's a great show. I'm currently stationed in Germany and listen to the show every weekend, so thank you for your service. Back to the calls, 877-337-6666 is the number. You guys already know that. Pat's ready to take your calls. Let's go to Joe in Lyndhurst. Joe, you're on a fan. Yeah, how you doing, uh, Danielle? What's uh, up, Joe? Nice to, nice to hear you. Listen, uh, everybody's excited about the Giants. So am I, like everybody else, looking forward to the game. What I'm concerned about long-term is that it changes the view of Gettleman, right? I mean, I think his drafts have been uh, below average. Mm-hmm. His free agent signings, uh, he gets a D easy, easily, I, I, although he's done a good job this year with Bradbury and Ryan. And the other thing I'm concerned about is, do they have the money to sign Logan Ryan, Tomlinson, and, and Williams next year? Because defensively, they've kicked it up a notch because of Graham, but they need some good defenders, right? So what are your thoughts about Gettleman long-term and the, them, the ability for them to, uh, under the cap space next year, because it's going to be reduced, to keep some some of the better defensive plays. Yeah, and, and Joe, that, that's a good question. Um, I'll let you listen here. So I think, you know, initially I was like, all right, Gettleman's got to go, too. This is something I kind of changed my mind on, too, the more I thought about it. You mentioned uh, Logan Ryan, and you mentioned, I forget the other player, but think about the pairing now. You said he kicked it up a notch in free agents. He did. He did. Look at who they signed this offseason, the, the Judge-Gettleman pairing. Now, I don't know. I'm not in the room. I don't know how much of a say each of them had. Was it 50-50? Was there an agreement? You know, was it Joe Judge pushing this? I don't know. But when you look at the guys that he signed, I mean, th- we could all agree the Giants defense is playing well. The, the, the rankings show it and everything. Joe Judge guys. James Bradbury. Blake Martinez. This, this is Joe Judge slash Dave Gettleman guys. Bradbury. Blake Martinez. Logan Ryan, Kyler Fackrell. These are these are the guys that are, I don't know, the best defenders on the team. I, I would even nominate James Bradbury for the Pro Bowl. If I if I could, if I if I had the ability to, you know, or, or vote for him or, or push him through as a campaign. But, you know, I, I am also thinking of think about Graham Gano. You know, we questioned I, we just now question who is behind these these great free agent defenders, but this is clear. After seven seasons with Gettleman in Carolina, Gano followed him in New York. And Gettleman extended Gano through the year 2023 to be the Giants kicker after the Giants' latest win. Ask yourself, good move or bad move? There's no way that's a bad move. He's got a career-best field goal percentage. He's tied Aldrich Roses for the second-longest streak in Giants history, 20 makes. And he needs nine more to tie Josh Brown to be in sole possession of the Giants' longest made streak in history. The only kick Graham Gano has made so far this year was in week two, Chicago, which was a 57-yarder. 
And that statement includes point after attempts. So, listen, I know you don't want to all the way believe it, and, and neither do I, but he, he bolstered your defense, the pairing of Judge and Gettleman. Maybe, maybe it's the coming of Judge. Maybe it's the fact that he hired a few more guys with computers last season. But Dave Gettleman's free agent signings, especially in 2020, if the, I'm the Giants' ownership, is enough to keep him around for the next two to three more years, I think. Because he picks well at the top of the draft. And when you pair him with a Joe Judge who came from the Patriots who picked well in the back end of the draft, I think this is a good pairing. I would I would be curious to see what at, at least one or two more draft class. At least. And believe me, I didn't want to believe it either. But when you look at it objectively, I think after all that, he, he locked up your kicker for a couple more years. He drafted your quarterback. He, he bolstered the defense. I think he deserves another shot. As much as it kills me to say it, you know? But I think he does. Let's go to Sparky in Dobbs Ferry. Sparky, you're on the fan. Well, first of all, happy Thanksgiving, you Coach. Too. Thank you. And, uh, well, one thing earlier you got, you were bringing up about the quarterbacks and everything, and it brought up Brady and Belichick's name came in. I personally think the Patriots did the right thing in letting Brady go. Because, you know what, even though he's playing okay this year, I think the guy's done. Okay. You know, I don't watch enough Buccaneers games, you know, like I do watch the Giants and the Jets. Uh, that's a hard thing. You know, first of all, too, you know, it's when you go somewhere, you've been somewhere for, what, 10 years, 11 years, even longer, and then you go to a brand-new system, there are some growing pains. There are. Uh, but you know you know what I feel that way is just the matter how he finished the season last year because, okay, the last game of the season, they yeah. lost at home as a 16-point favorite to the Dolphins, and then they lost at home in the playoff games to Tannehill. If Brady was close to being Brady, he never would have lost either one of those games. Yeah, but I mean, there's other there's other factors. I mean, I, I remember being on that night that, that that they lost and listening to Patriots radio on, on the way in here that night on a Radio.com app. Um, there's other factors. I don't know if it was all on Brady. I'd have to go back and watch the tape. Um, but the caller brought up. The caller asked me, is it Belichick or Brady more um, instrumental in, in building a dynasty? And, and I, I did tell him, I, I don't know yet. I'm not, I'm not ready to make adjudication on this just yet. Well, on that, on that situation, though, it definitely they definitely played hand-in-hand hand with each other. I mean, mm-hmm. one wouldn't have been the same without the other. Yeah, yeah you know? you're right. I mean, yes. Yeah, so maybe that's going to be the ultimate decision that we end up making i don't know and um now as far as the thing with mike tyson tonight <laughs> yeah um anybody who would pay 50 dollars for that is somebody who never should complain about any financial difficulties <laughs> in their life because yeah. they obviously have money to throw out the window I know. <laughs> like i said if, if i had 50 dollars to throw out the window i'd probably put it on the jets to win tomorrow who knows what can happen you I- know what? <laughs> Co- coach as a jet fan I just pray they don't. I know. No. Because you know what? When they get Trevor, one thing that'll also do, you figure that'll definitely attract a potential free agent. And a big name head coach is what they need. Yes. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. And now as far as as far as the Yankees, I wish they would. When we were talking last week about Didi, yeah. you got to, of course, get LeMayu back. But they got to stop procrastinating because you know what? 
You got to beware of Mr. Steve Cohen. And everybody else trying to poach him, the Washington Nationals, the whole thing. I mean, I don't know I mean, why they're waiting. We talk about this every I mean, week. I mean, Coach, you, have, you, you, you run teams. A guy like LeMay does everything right. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you're like, that must be the ideal guy to coach ever. Yeah, I know. He's he's willing to play wherever, and he's good wherever he goes. He would be a dream to to coach you, right? I would love to coach him. <laughs> and and the thing is, too, just the idea is just the difference of how the team plays normally when you have him and you have Didi and you bring in Urshela. Mm-hmm. I mean, before the person mentioned all about Urshela, I'm like, I don't know what games they're watching because that guy's like, He's another one. They got flat out lucky when they got him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would like to to ask Brian Cashman basically that fact. It, was it luck or, or what did you see in him when, when you when you picked him up? You know, I, I would like to ask that. I would. But you have a wonderful night and take it easy. <laughs> Thanks, Sparky. Appreciate the Bye-bye. call. Um, I, uh, if, if I'm a Yankee fan, and this might be your last chance to get aboard, 877-337-6666, if I'm a Yankee fan, I would welcome, and we talked about this, we talk about it all the time, I would welcome a philosophical shift in the batter's box and, and mentality. And for that, I'd go after guys like Didi or uh, LeMahieu and, and just to break up the, the monotony of home run or strikeout because that's Yankees get so far. And then it got so far it didn't even matter, like that Linkin Park song, you know? Maybe I'll use that next week. I think Vin and, and, and Matawan, you're going to be the last one of the night, Vin. You're up. Last but not least, uh, you know, you know, thank, thanks for taking the time to yeah, let me on. Uh, ultimately, I guess, you know, I get to watch both teams, obviously, as a New York fan. I mean, I'm a Jet fan at heart, but, yeah. you know, I actually think sometimes the lens you have as a Jet fan when you watch the other team is you get to see some of the pros and cons and kind of how you want to build your team towards the other team. Yeah. Especially when you're a Jet fan. So what do you like, um, the coach about the Giants, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love the coach. To be honest with you, I would give you, uh, I'd give you a draft pick in the, you know, in one of the, maybe not the first one, but you know, maybe the first couple of rounds just to go and bring him over. But yeah, uh, you know, what I would say is, listen, I, I, I'm all for you guys kind of being optimistic, but the Gettleman love, I, I, I'm shocked. I mean, ultimately, you look at the D tackles taken in like the first couple rounds. I mean, that that's antiquated football, right? Like if you're taking D tackles in the first two three rounds unless they're premier D-tackles. And, I mean, you know what? To be honest with you, you got the one from us, which was Leonard, uh, Leonard, uh, Leonard Williams. Right. But ultimately, you know. Who's having just, a career yeah, year, by the way. Draft. Five sacks, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I'm, I'm actually happy to see him playing like this because I feel like it's finally seeing the Leonard Williams I wanted to see. Right. Um, mm-hmm. With that being said, I just, you know, I do worry. I, I, I almost feel like it's one of those things where if you win the next few games, I wonder if you're married to Gettleman and it's going to be one of those, like, situations where he does the same thing he did this year which was he's drafting for now as opposed to the future which you saw with an Andrew Thomas pick as, appo- as opposed to a Mekhi Becton or even a Tristan Wirfs. Yeah. I mean the reason why you take Andrew-, Andrew Thomas is because he's pro ready and no offense you don't want to swing and miss because if you do you're out of town and I think he knew that um, and that- that's a scary thing I think with Gettleman and the-, the future of the Giants franchise because All right, Vin, they're starting the positive, they're starting the music on me thanks I-, I appreciate it Vin I'm sorry um, but you have to quickly just ask yourself, we love to hire Joe jo- Judge, right? Everybody loves to hire Joe Judge. How much did Dave Gettleman have in the say of that? you got to think a lot, right? 
Thanks to all the callers. We'll get to this next week, I'm sure. And, and on Twitter, we could talk about it too. Could not have done this without you guys tonight. It was a steady stream of calls all night. Thanks again to the first designator and designated hitter in MLB history, former Yankee Ron Blumberg. That's at 420. In case you want to go back on the radio.com rewind and uh, and uh, listen to that. The app is free. While you're there, why don't you just rewind to 2 a.m., listen to the whole thing all over again. Great job to Pat behind the glass. Also to Mike McCann on the updates. Bob Salter is up next. In the meantime, hit my socials at Coach McCartan, Facebook.com slash Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-N. Let's keep this conversation going. I will see you next week. Sports.